Welcome to the T-Hud Podcast. I'm Moby. I'm Marty. And I'm Leland. Fond memories. That's this episode. The theme is nostalgia. Wait, it's episode 10. 10 episodes. What? Wow. Don't tell me we still have a listener after 10 episodes. We may have more than one (gasps) listener. But we also have an episode zero. That's like a hundred episodes. <laughs> <laughs> it just wrapped around. Well, yeah, I can't believe we're here. Well, it's episode ten, but not our tenth episode. No, yes. we've done like no. thirty. Yeah, we've done way too many. I can't <laughs> believe people still listen to already. Anything. Yeah, lots changed. Uh, we've gone from heat to snow. Um, I'm half the man I used to be. <laughs> Pretty damn close to it. Yeah. I started with sunglasses. The sunglasses came off, and now they're back. I I'm wearing my glasses today. Yeah, you got the hood on, yeah. your glasses. Yeah, I think I might have started with glasses, lost glasses, and now I have glasses again. Yeah, and the hood's kind of been introduced later on. Yeah, that's true. Didn't yeah. we lose sunglasses at some point? We too? did, yeah. yeah. They came back. Yeah, Marty just said that. Oh. Are you listening? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I, I didn't know that he lost we got, them. We got a third mic. We did. We're now with a, a mic each, so that you two sharing. Yeah. That's I miss cool. that. I miss sitting next to him. Yeah. Really? No. <laughs> well, I'd much rather stare at this uh, wool, <laughs> this woolly sound backdrop that I stare at now. It feels than, like the eighties. In Marty's face, yeah, <laughs> it's like shag carpet. Yeah, it totally is. It's all multicolored too. <laughs> well, you know, this wool uh, carpeting here, seventy percent of the time, it works one hundred percent of the time. <laughs> Good one, A little old seventy. <laughs> All right, all right. Okay, yeah, so we're all about memories here. Um, Dancer section. How ironic with your terrible one. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Thank you. Banter. Let's start bantering. <laughs> I, I know we've got something to talk about, eh, Marty? Aren't we already bantering? Yeah, but not about stuff that matters. Every day I'm bantering. Okay, well, why don't you take it away? Yeah, okay. So, so independently, Marty and uh, myself actually discussed before the podcast um we're gonna bring up the same topic here and the topic is disney's draconian measures they have taken upon theater owners for the release of star wars the last jedi that's offensive to draconians yeah we're gonna have to edit it (laughs) you want you want to talk about lame references there leland Okay, so here's how it works. Traditionally, uh, how it works is that uh, studios, when they release a new movie, especially a blockbuster, they take about uh, two-thirds of the box office earnings to start. And that progressively turns into more and more of a share for theater owners, which rewards theater owners for running your movie for longer. However, with Star Wars The Last Jedi, Disney is putting some of the harshest requirements on theater owners to show the movie that they ever had. So how it works is that Disney is taking 65% through the entire theater run. And not only that, but Disney has a number of other requirements. One of them is that it has to be shown, The Last Jedi, in the largest theater that you have for four weeks straight, period. You can't run anything else ever in that theater. That's the craziest one. That is crazy. Like, that's like, what if the movie bombed? And we know it's not going to bomb. But what if it did? And they're just like, nope, 
you have to play this film for four weeks. Or or it's a smaller theater in a town where most people who want to see it see it within two weeks, and yeah. you have to run it two weeks longer, even if it's to empty audiences. Yeah. And another new measure to this is if you don't follow even one little rule, and there's, there's more than what we just mentioned. It's not just those two rules. There's tons of little nitpicky rules. Uh, Disney takes an additional 5% through the whole run if you screw up with one rule. Wow. It's insane. I mean, I I get it. They can do it. That's the, that's the thing. Like, I mean, it's, cra- it's crazy that they're doing it, but it makes sense because they can't. You know what? As we talk about this, I I honestly want to, like, play the Imperial March Darth Vader theme <laughs> from Star Wars because that's what it seems like. They'll sue us. They, and they'll win. They would sue. They wouldn't. They may not have sued a few years ago they'll, when they wanted to develop fans. They'll take our wooly mic boxes. No. So here's the problem too. So in some of these smaller communities with smaller theaters that only have one or two screens, um, those some of those theater owners saying like they can't afford to show it, right? Because yeah. they can't tie up their screen. They're better off just and make money. No. For at for a minimum of four weeks, like Disney is trying to take control of the holiday movie season, which in turn will make them less money if people won't show this film. Yeah, it just it, yeah, you know. And I know, and I'm gonna set them off here. I am taking a, a a match to gasoline here. But Leland and I were riding in the car yesterday, and we're talking about this. Leland, no comment from Disney about this whole matter. Yeah, that is what I find. The most infuriating thing. Like, they're not even... Uh, like, I, I already bitched about this to you. Bit, you didn't you bitch to Marty. set me up. That's right. You just set up the tee. I'm about to hit it out Let's of the Let's let the here. gasoline in. But, fuck, that pisses me off. They don't even have the decency to try to bullshit us with some dumbass reason why they're even... Why they're doing this. It's just completely greed. That is all it is. No, nothing like... Oh, we just want to. We want to build build our franchise and ensure the franchise is like nothing, no bullshit like that. No, there's it's straight and pure fucking greed. I can I? Oh man, that's crazy. Greed mixed with this extreme arrogance. Like they oh, don't even totally. need to explain that's... it to their customers, but yeah, because that's who the theater owners are. They right. collect the money. Crazy, crazy. Yeah, it, it's it's crazy. You know, and good on those smaller theaters that are just saying, you know what. Too bad. We no, we're not showing your movie then. I mean, that's obviously that's. I mean, that's gotta be a hit. But like, like, like I was saying to you, like that extra five percent penalty, incur it then for those last two weeks. Like, if you if that's what's gonna work for you, that's really in the grand scheme of this, you know, uh, this arm twisting of a fucking deal, quote unquote deal for these theaters. Suck. Take it. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I'm interested to see how they're going to go about trying to recoup this money. Like, are they going to actually take legal means and battle these little theaters? Especially yeah. if a lot of people, you know, rally against it. Well, and you know what's funny is who then at Disney now, and now they are now have to make an entire department of people to hunt down and figure out who is infringing on these and who's violating. And then they have to, and they have that people in that same department to, like you say, chase down their owed funds like it's ridiculous it's fucking ridiculous i oh man i i just really makes me mad this fucking the fucking the bullying i uh two things in this world i hate 
is a fucking bully and a fucking hypocrite. I wonder if, like, oh, shit, he, I was both those things in high school, man. Yeah. I wonder if using the Blade Runners to gather this money would be good. Because, <laughs> because, because clearly, they're not going anywhere after the lack of success of that film. I didn't, oh, I, I thought you meant the real Blade Runners. I could just see Ryan Gosling. I would very much prefer that to the alternative. <laughs> just hand over your money. As Batista theater owner is making his eggs or whatever. Like, what is in that pot? What was in that pot? Oh, I think it was maggots. I think oh. it was a little grunt. Because <laughs> that's all they can afford to eat that's after it... Disney imposes these terms. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Just like thinking about it makes me so mad. I mean, I deal in my profession. I deal with these larger companies that just they twist your arm. And if you want to get any semblance of dealing with them, you jump through all these hoops, and it just infuriates me. And I feel for these these smaller theater owners who are they're getting they're getting the the Disney's boot heel ground down on their face. Like it's ugh. you know what? As it always is with these bad decisions, it doesn't hurt the gigantic theater chains the that, that can afford yeah. to have their IMAX screen yeah. run it for a month. Who cares? But these smaller guys, it hurts them. And that and it hurts the, the industry. worst part. It does. Because when, you're just... When theater goers are already on a decline, too. Like, exactly. Ugh. Especially when you consider that the only films, that's, for the most part, that seem to make any money are the very few big blockbusters now. Like, it's either, like, maybe every second superhero film makes a ton of money, and then yeah. the Star Wars and those kinds of movies. Maybe a big animated film. Look at that. Okay, I memorized these stats, and I told this to Leland yesterday in the car ride. Disney has, and I don't know, I forget if it's the worldwide or the domestic box office, but anyways, they're number one. They had 26% of this past year's revenue on 13 films. Next closest is Universal with 17%, but on 23 films. Wow. And so basically Disney has become this blockbuster sequel pumper outer. And they're, <laughs> that's yeah, the word, pumper outer. <laughs> <laughs> cookie cutter. Let's go with cookie cutter because like it's that. kind of the same okay. franchises. And they're using that income to basically browbeat and, you know, yeah, suck browbeat. up money. That is the, browbeat. the My only argument magic. to yeah. that is that I think Disney in general has always been that way. You know, like yeah. we get the odd new franchise, but they've always, you know, they, they have their animated films that they take these, they make as many sequels as they can, and as soon as they can't show them in theaters, they just make direct-to-DVD-at-the-time um, films, and they just keep going with that. I mean, how many, like, direct-to-DVD Lion King sequels are there? Or, like, every other That's true. Animated yeah, that's thing. so true. Yeah. yeah and they, really they've point. run those right into the fucking ground. Yeah. Yeah. And now they own Marvel. So, run that right into the ground. Yeah. Fuck. No, no, no. It's a valid point. It's a valid point. Well, uh, Leland, do you have any banter? Actually, I don't really. I I've been I don't know nothing really. No, no nothing. No. I mean, I've been playing. I've been playing more long dark. Yeah. So I've switched from the story mode. I said, screw it, forget the story mode. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna get into the heart and the 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 reason this game was made. I'm gonna get into the free play and the straight free survival stuff. Just it's a great game. It's the the survival stuff is really awesome. It's super hard. As you start and so. You st- you pick a difficulty, and uh, I guess you can get you can the more you play, you can unlock like certain feats and stuff. 
So at higher difficulties, you have access to less feats for your for your character. Okay. Of course, right now I have no feats, so I'm playing it on. I think it's like the equivalent of the medium to hardish. There's four settings, so it's like the the third of the four settings. And what do the feats give you? I don't know. I again, I I, I can't even look at them. Like I don't have them on. Oh, I don't okay. have any of them unlocked, so I can't even pick any. So, but you get dumped in. You got you got like a shirt, a t-shirt, pants, and some shoes on, like in in whatever map this is. So all these maps, it's one. There's there's different areas and they're it's all they're all connected. You can travel to all the areas, right? So I think the part part of the game is learning these areas, and that's how you get better. If you know where you are, because there's no map, you have no map. And like in the story, you do you the time you even get a map, it's not like a map that follows a little a little marker for your character. You have to navigate, and you use this map by the landmarks on the map, like. Oh, there's this big pile of rocks. Oh, I see. This is on the map. This has got to be where I am. And if you're lucky enough to find structures, that helps even more, right? Uh, so I, I, you got no map. I and I, I randomized uh, which where I started. So I happened to start in a place that I had never been before in the story mode. So I'm like, where the hell am I? I found some cabins. I looked through them. I found a bit of extra clothing. Um, there was like this frozen lake that I went into. This uh, I found an ice fishing shack. I made a fire because I was like dying of hypothermia. <laughs> and in the time it, I had to w- in the in the hour or hour and a half that I had the fire going and warming up, the weather turned into a whiteout blizzard. So I stepped outside of this ice shack, which had no door, so I was like freezing in it almost too. This fire was barely warming up. Yeah, I step out, whiteout. I'm like, oh fuck, where were those cabins? So I'm like. I think I came from this direction. So I go into the blizzard. And I'm like, oh, no. And I know I had seen wolves far off into the distance of this frozen lake, too, at the cabin. Like, far enough where they couldn't, they wouldn't come after me. But I'm running. I'm like, am I going to run into wolves? What am I doing? Where am I going? I did not get back to those cabins. I ended up in a whole other fucking place. But, uh, no, it's fun. It's fun. Is it randomly generated at all? I I. I don't know if the items are randomly oh, okay. generated. I wonder, I gotta assume that they are. But the map's not, it just drops you into different areas. That's right, there are set maps. Like So again, like that's if you know the areas, uh, as you play more and you do, you get to know the areas, you can navigate your better around for yourself. Oh, I see, and that's how you get better at it. Yeah, I think okay. that's that's part of the skill level, I think, in playing the game. Because again, if, if everything you are foraging for is randomly generated, yeah. I mean, there are there are... Like, in every ice hut thing you find, there's, like, a fishing hole. You just break through the ice and you spend some time fishing. Uh, and then, actually, you have skills, too, that you level up. And you can find, like, like I found a, a fishing tackle book that I read for a couple hours and boost my fishing skill. So, And you yeah. lose that if you die, though. Yeah, if you, it's like a roguelike. If yeah. I die, you die. Like, I, I started the first time I played, I died in, like, 20 seconds because I ran into a wolf. And he got me. Yeah. I fought him off, even though I had no knife or anything. And but I didn't have any bandages to stop the blood, so I bled out. Oh, wow. <laughs> so yeah, it's tough. Yeah, it's tough, but it's fun. Yeah, I'm definitely planning on playing it once um, I get my uh, PC up and running. Yeah, I'd recommend trying it for yeah. sure. It's it's fun. But like, what's what got me on the story? And the story, I finally found a rifle, and I was helping. I was helping this guy. I found. I got moved to a new area. I found this guy. He got attacked by a bear, and I took the guy's rifle. I shot the bear. Scared the bear off. It's like apparently he calls it the old bear, which is funny because that's our nickname for Marty. We call Marty old the old bear. bear. Wants some honey. But but what I, what got to me was like 
So you talk to him and he like gives you advice on like survival skills and stuff. But then he gave me a task. He's like, here's my five kilogram like wolf skin jacket. Take it to this radio tower, which I already been to because I just like to explore and repair it for me as like as a tutorial ish. And I'm like, I can't carry this five kilogram fucking jacket all the halfway across this goddamn area. I'm already 10 kilograms over my max 30k that I should be carrying. Mm-hmm. I can't do this. I'm like, no, I no, I will not help you. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And it's it's kind of shitty because like I found I found my own rifle. I, I had like five bullets. I'm coming down this this area where it has has this tra- this railroad track. I was following. It runs all the way through the middle of this thing, and kind of in most parts on either side is like uh, frozen lakes, but a lot of the places have weak ice. So the first time I got there, I come out, I see this bear. I'm like, oh, fuck, a bear. What am I, how, 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 I've got to get around this bear. I try to skirt around it. I fall through the ice. I'm shivering. I'm dying. I get hypothermia. I start a fire, and then the weather turns again. It blizzards. Oh, no. It blows my fire out, and I, I'm, I'm too heavy. I'm too hurt. <laughs> I can't go anywhere. I fall through the ice again, trying to get out of there, and fuck it. Oh. <laughs> Damn it. Oh. But eventually, I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I got four bullets. I'm just five bullets. I'm fighting this bear. And get up there. Boom. One, two. Boom. Right in the head. Down him. Kill this black bear. I go up to him. And he's got like 35 kilograms worth of meat you can carve off of this Whoa. fucking thing. I can't carry another 35 kilograms of meat. This bear is now going to waste. He's going to get frozen. I'm going to have to come back like with no gear and then to carve him up. Crazy, crazy. Right. Could you like take the meat and then like store it in, in somewhere? Yeah, if you find uh, like a, if you kind of make a base of operations for you. Yeah. But see, the problem with the story is not conducive to that. Right. Because the story is pushing you through these areas. Oh, okay. Whereas that's why I went to the survival, where you could make a base of operations in the survival mode. Mm-hmm. I think though, in certain areas, because um, it's got a crafting system, and you can, you know, you make better clothing for yourself. You make improvised weapons. You can make bows and and like rabbit snares to get some of the materials. I think you need to find some of the areas with like mines and stuff. Uh, there's, I think you can find like a, like some type of smelter where you just melt down your own metal and stuff and that kind of thing. So you do have to explore to further your game, the game to and like extend your survivability, but. The free play seems way more conducive to like yes, I have a base of operations, and you ha- you do actually have to find somewhere like that because some of the things you get like the the gut and the um, uh, the hide that you skin from deers and animals and stuff it's got a cure indoors mm-hmm. before you can use it to craft the the snare and the bow and the arrows and stuff like that. It's just really it's really fun. I mean, I like it. It's frustrating. It's hard, but it's like that. It's that perfect type of game that I enjoy. Yeah. Yeah, you're definitely into that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. yeah, I find roguelikes sometimes just push me over the edge. Like they're a little sometimes bit too frustrating, frustrating for me. Well, yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. And then also, I've been I had a hankering to throw down with some thugs and just play the beat down. So I threw in Arkham Knight again, and I uh, actually I've started the story on that for like the fifth time, I think. But yeah, I had some DLC. Like the last episode, we talked about uh, DLC. I had some. I had no idea. I had downloaded on there. Just added some new villains, which they were all really cool. Like, got to see uh, Mister Freeze again and uh, a Race Shall Ghoul storyline. Like, it's good stuff. Yeah. So that was. Uh, You've definitely played the shit out of those games. I have played the hell out of that. Yeah, yeah. That franchise, I played the hell out of. Yeah, yeah. You should definitely borrow a Horizon Zero Dawn. What's that? 
That's the uh, game where you play as like it's like set in a post-apocalyptic world that's like, gone like almost to uh, oh, nomadic tribes again. Yeah, I've got it. Oh, I didn't know you re- didn't know you got that. Yeah, I got it. I beat it about a month and a half oh, ago. Yeah, I totally want to play it's that. It's really good. Yeah, cool. Good um, combat system. Yeah, the combat system is probably the best part. Okay, cool. I mean, I'd say the story like it really lagged. It's well, it's got that open world issue where it goes a bit too long, and you forget about the story after a while. Yeah. Um, but the best part is just hunting dino robots and taking them down. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I, the first big fight I had with like the probably the biggest creature. It's kind of like a T Rex type uh, monster mm-hmm. with like these uh, rocket disc launchers on its back and oh, like uh, nice. and machine, awesome. machine gun jaws. And, like, the, my, machine gun jaws. My first fight. Oh, cool. First fight with that was so cool because I didn't realize like how to fight it. So yeah. I set up a ton of traps and I I was picking away at it from a distance and doing, like, no damage. And then I realized you could um, take chip off its uh, disc launcher and use it as a weapon. Cool. And That's then it, it got in a fight with some other uh, people, and like, that some other just random people were wandering around and started fighting it, and it, yeah. was, it was killing them. And then uh, <laughs> fighting cool. some other robots, and then I was... Uh, because um, you can actually use robots to fight, too. You can control them. Oh, you can, like, hack them and stuff? Yeah. Oh, yeah. cool. So, so I, I used its own weapon against it and managed to kill it. Oh, nice. Yeah, so it's... Is there, like, a skill tree or something you can develop? Like, yeah, there's... Like, a hacking skill or, like, different aspects There's a whole of... bunch. So there's oh, cool. there's one that's, um like, offensive, like, weaponry. I think one that's, like, defensive, like, movement stuff. And one's more, like, hacking, I think. Okay. And, like, um developing your abilities, like, through that robotic abilities i guess okay okay um is your character like cyborgish uh no so you acquire this um like this uh futuristic technology early mm-hmm. on uh, in like, like a mother box kind of yeah sure <laughs> um and it, it it's kind of like a uh almost like a like google glasses or something so you can okay. it's like you can see like um sort of like projected images okay and it gives you it's kind of like having like that sort of Batman sense like dark dark, vision. dark vision or yeah, something. Yeah, I just yeah it. it gives you that ability, okay. so you can like detect things on robots and weak points and stuff. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so it gives you kind of an excuse to add that element in the game. Yep, it's pretty heavy on stealth, but you don't. Have, it doesn't have to be. Okay. Yeah, it's it's worth a play. Yeah, I'll bring, yeah, I'll bring it definitely. Over. You'd like to look at that. Yeah. So uh, for me though, um, just really quickly, I just want to talk about a game I've been playing. Uh, picked up Mario Odyssey. It's great. Um, I know Moby's got it as well. He's finally got a Switch. Yes, I, I do. I know you're yeah. only playing Stardew Valley right now. Yes, I am. For this, <laughs> which is great. And I'm also playing Stardew Valley again. Um, but I, I'm about <laughs> I'm over a dozen hours into Mario, and I I think I can firmly say like this is a classic Mario. It's uh, it it continues the tradition of Mario 64. It feels like the direct sequel to Mario 64 that we wanted. It's not it doesn't feel like a vacation game like Mario Sunshine even though the whole concept of Mario Odyssey is kind of like taking Mario to vacation like worlds. It's like uh, there's never really any pressure in a Mario game. It's not like I mean you know like Peach is going to be fine and you're going to go get Peach eventually, but the exploration is great. My the, the best part about the game is honestly the camera and the develop developers do such a great job of slowly peeling away and giving you hints of where the next um, power moon is which is like the collectible in this game so like when you're in a new area and the camera pans out you might just see a little new path that you need to walk down and you start thinking how how can i get there and that those are the, the best parts of like a 3d platformer when you see an area and you're just like you start thinking like 
I think I can do that. I think I can discover something down there. And they're usually in this instance, there usually is a reason for that in this game. Like very few areas I went to where nothing was there. Um, you're almost always discovering a power moon. I, like I was telling the guys yesterday when we were talking about it, sometimes I feel like I just step somewhere and do a butt stomp and one pops out of the ground for no reason. <laughs> but uh, it, it feels like most of the time the game rewards you for clever thinking. And even though it's a very easy game, like the combat's pretty simple. I, I think I've died just a few handful of times, usually from jumping off something stupid. It's not punishing whatsoever. It's It's an easy game, but there's a lot to collect. I could see myself putting a lot of time into it to find all these power moons. I think there's like, I don't even know how many there are, but some levels have like 80 or 90. So <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. When you consider that Mario 64, I think had 120. Yeah. Um, and like a single level in this game can almost rival that. So yeah, it's, it's a great game so far. I'm really excited to actually finish it. Then I'll give a total review at the end of that. Yeah, I have very limited uh, experience with the game. How's Stardew Valley? Stardew Valley is fantastic. My farm is coming along. I No, I'm not going to go off on now, that. Isn't it great on the Switch, though? It is, and I've been bringing it to work every day last week, and I just either play it in my car or just play it in my office because I've been there five years and I'm comfortable. I just put my feet on my desk at lunch hour and stick in the earbuds, and it's great. Um, I just love the idea that... The handheld is the entire console. So when you dock it, it's great. And by the way, that Pro Controller for 100 bucks before tax uh, Canadian, that's steep. But man, it's a good controller. It just feels right. It feels like it's got buttons in the right place. It kind of reminds me of like the size of an Xbox 360 controller. Like it's just like a nice, yeah. hefty controller in your hands. Yeah. And although I do love the DualShock, sometimes it feels good to have a weighty controller. Yeah, totally. And I think, you know, in the case of Mario specifically, what I loved so far was that when I started playing it, all my moves from Mario 64 were there and they were somehow mapped correctly and intuitively to the buttons. It's hard to explain. It's like I went through move by move. I'm like, oh, is my cartwheel jump here? Oh, is my long jump here? And somehow I just knew without looking up the controls what to press. And I love that feeling. That's something Nintendo does very well. It knows how to make a, a game easy to jump into. And that's, I mean, you can describe Mario Odyssey any better. It's just really easy to pick up and play. I mean, my very rarely will I show my wife a game and she'll be like, oh, I want to try it. I popped in Mario Odyssey and we were fighting over it the first night for, for a couple <laughs> hours. To the point where I just said, here, have at her. <laughs> and, you know, I'll start you a save file after this. Because, uh, you know, she was actually having a good time. And that's rare for somebody who doesn't enjoy video games. So, to me, that's that's a win right there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But that's what I've got. Well, <laughs> speaking of video games, let's oh. lead her in, Marty. Oh, wait, that's me. Think, uh, that is you. You started off to oh. I'm going to preface. I'm going to predict that this is going to be an extra long episode. Oh, it already is. Based yeah, on I the think banter. this is going to be a long, longish one, so... Buckle in, listener. Episode 10 is going to be a doozy. Oh. You're going to end up stranded on an island with a professor and a movie star. Okay. <laughs> <Check it out. laughs> well, uh, this is the Video Game Variety Show, and uh, this episode is called Leon, Help Us Discuss Resident Evil 4. <laughs> Uh, guess what we're talking about, Woo! guys? Our favorite game, Resident Evil 4. The game that invented the RE-a-thon. Yep. Resident Evil-a-thon. 
for in the long for term. the layman for the layman it's a game that means a lot to us maybe good maybe bad maybe the island you know that that's <laughs> how, that's how I, de- I i defined it is the good the bad and the island <laughs> yeah i can see plenty Eastwood as leon kennedy <laughs> uh, totally coming into some backwater eastern Europe, european country and Dealing some death to some ganados. Why am I in this rural and lonely part of Europe? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's start with pleasant memories, right, Marty? Well, I wanted to start off with how we discovered the game. Because I feel okay. like when you first discovered, when we all discovered Resident Evil 4, it was a really great game. Before we played it to death, and we'll get to that. Because when it first came out, it went in 2004 for the GameCube. Which, I mean, it's crazy. At 13 years ago, it That's was nice. like a state-of-the-art game. Like, mm-hmm. the graphically and um, story-wise, it was really kind of, not when they pushed the envelope, but, like, just, like, um, voice acting, graphics, gameplay, everything was top-notch. And uh, then they re-released it for PS2, so Leland and I could actually play the damn thing. Yeah. And it clearly took a graphical step back. It did, yeah, that's true. But at the same time, it was the same playable game. And I was I waited forever to get it. I almost bought a GameCube to play it because I wanted to play it so damn bad. I remember I got it for my birthday when it came out in 2005, and uh, I just remember firing it up, and the chainsaw guy came out. Oh man! And my god, I was like pissing myself from that first little bit when he's chasing you in the house, That's and you, so you just have the pistol, and you find the shotgun, and he then he cuts your head off. And <laughs> yeah, don't you lie and say he didn't cut your head oh, off the man. first time. He did. Yep. Amen. Oh. And so many more times out of that, too. And, like, you just, so you're just you trying to think of how... Because, like, you're waiting for this bell to toll. And you're like, how do I have to kill him? What the hell's going on? Like, what do I do? And, like, I seem to always hold myself up in a house. And then he comes in, he bursts in. And, like, if you don't shoot him with a shotgun, he doesn't even stop moving. Yeah, doesn't even flinch. No. it's uh, that, That's a great start to that game. And I think that's my favorite part of the game, honestly, is, like, that first third. And the first time you play it, especially, it's it's so fun. Yeah, I remember, I think I had gotten it uh, after you had, I believe. Yeah. Uh, but I just, yeah, that first village part, oh man, I probably played that one part like a solid two hours. One trying to get past it. It was difficult and so fun, so scary. So, maybe not scary, so tense, but ah, uh, so good. Yeah, it's not scary, good but it is tense. Like, when you turn around and there's it's a guy right fun. there. And yeah. or like the chainsaw guy was being quiet for some reason. You just hear that rev. Yeah. Oh. And then even when you don't know where he is, and you he can hear the rev. Like, yeah. What? Where is he? Oh my god! I'm gonna die. This wooden dresser I'm putting in front of this door does nothing. It stops him for three seconds, and then he's cut through it, and then I'm running from him again. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, my memories are a little bit different because me, being a Nintendo fanboy, had a GameCube at the time. And I remember actually getting it and playing it for the first time like it was yesterday. It's a flashbulb memory. I was so jacked for Resident Evil at the time. Uh, Remake was my favorite game, still is. And I had just finished uh, Resident Evil Zero, which came shortly before. And I was just absolutely jacked to get it. I pre-ordered it from EB Games and Coquitlam. I remember waking up that morning. Um, I didn't have university that day. And I remember like sitting up in bed like a vampire in a 1930s movie coming out of his coffin. It was like, whoop, it's Resident Evil Day. And I just jumped in my car. I didn't have water or breakfast or anything. I don't even remember if I went to the washroom. 
I just drove right out to Coquitlam. I stood in line with the other geeks. And I pissed my pants. Waiting for EBU. For Resident Evil 4. No, I was actually, I was kind of a hero. You know why? Because I knew that uh, a soundtrack for the game was supposed to be given free with pre-orders and they weren't getting them out. And so I saw people started to leave with just the game. And I was like, hey, hey, guys, guys, aren't there supposed to be CDs with the soundtrack coming? And, you know, the little EB idiots like, oh, yeah, these ones. And so then he got everybody back and handed them out. and We all got our soundtrack. Uh, you know, awesome. It, it was just awesome when I plugged it in. I remember how it, it starts with talking about how the Umbrella Corporation's fallen apart. And then it slowly goes Resident Evil 4 in the bottom right corner. And, you know, Leon's driving in this car. And everybody loved Le- Leon, who's yeah. like a Resident Evil fan from Resident Evil 2. He's just an awesome guy. It was great that they brought him back for it. Oh, it, it, and it was great. And, and he has an awesome coat in the beginning. He does. He does. He has an awesome coat. He's a cool character. Very different character than he was in Resident Evil 2. Much yeah. more confident yeah. and manly. Well, he's a rookie cop in Resident Evil 2. He is. He is. He's very like, oh, hey, I'm here to have my first day with the Force. <laughs> the zombies. Oh, oh, oh. fucking Mickey Mouse? Yeah. No, you know what? Honestly, he does, he does have a very high voice. Really? It's not the same voice. Oh. It's not the same voice. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, it was it was a lot of fun. But I still remember on that first day having mixed opinions because I got to like chapter two somewhere in the first day going, you know, this is a lot of fun, but it's not scary and it doesn't feel like the other games were scary. Uh, and that's kind of a lingering feeling of the game. I don't want to put the cart before the horse in our discussion here. So I'll just leave it at that. That was my my first experience. Well, so I made a list of good, bad in the island. Uh, me so, too. So for, <laughs> for me... Um, a couple of things I thought were great were the cheesy story and the characters. No. Um, like, uh, specifically, I listed Krauser. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Sal- Salazar, who we always, oh, yeah. we always knew as Napoleon. Ashley. And even Louis. Yeah. Uh, like, it's... Louis. Louis, yeah. Louis? I think I forgot Leon? something. What does Leon call him? Louis. Does he actually call him Louis? Hey, maybe he is Louis. Oh man, we should know that. Yeah, we probably. But we don't watch the story. Anymore. No, that's true. We don't skip don't every cutscene. Yeah. You don't even see a Louis or Lewis whenever we play now. He just dies. Well, you see him in the cabin when you're defending. Oh the cabin. yeah, that's yeah. About you it. have a brief period where you play with him. Yeah, he throws you some ammo once in a while. The other thing I loved was um, just the enemy design, especially early on. Uh, the chainsaw guy was great. Uh, Garador. Oh, the, armor the, plated armor. The armor plated armor. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, we, we can discuss that later. Is even from the game? <laughs> no. Uh, El Gigante, the first fight with El Gigante. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that cool. hard. And I like uh, like the left hand or right hand, those two. Mm, like Salazar's buddies. Um, the tents. That's the scary part. It is. Like, oh, when you're, yeah, you're in the uh, underground. Yeah. Yeah. You're stalking him. Yeah. But, and then you realize, like, you can you can actually kill him if you have enough firepower and you freeze him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that one's pretty cool. Um, and I like that. Like, the tense moments, like, those moments are really cool. Um, I like, like, the cabin scene when you're defending the yeah, cabin. Yeah, that was fun. The, like, stuff like that. Like, that really was the probably the highlight. Um, and uh, the first third of the game in general. Like, probably right up until partway through the uh, the castle, I guess, when the castle starts running a bit long. That's yeah. when I think the game maybe slows down a bit, and especially in repeated playthroughs. And I can definitely get into that. Um, you guys have any other good stuff you really like about the game? Leland? Um, you No, yeah, you pretty much hit on them all. 
Yeah, yeah, I know. Those are all great parts. You I know, think you when you when you hit the castle, I don't really. I mean, the castle's fine, but all that's those first two chapters in the village, so good. And even like Del Lago is a cool fight. It is. It's unique. Yeah, it is. It definitely is. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like the combat. I like the controls. Uh, it felt good. It felt right. I like the weapons that you got pretty early. Um, the rifle, even without the scope, like starting popping off headshots. Yeah. And I think it was, uh, I think it's only um, like section two of chapter one where you get it. It's pretty mm-hmm. quick. You do, yeah, when you're on that like um, lift and you can start sniper rifling guys. Yeah, I love that. Um, the shotgun feels really weighty, especially early on. Like it does yeah. a lot of damage. Yeah, yeah, it's like a it's a lightsaber. It right is, now, yeah, yeah. it's would suck. I feel like it. the weapon system, though, you just you pretty much there is the best, like the best choice. There is a best choice of weapon set to pick. The striker, the striker, mm-hmm. always like fully upgraded striker. The red it holds hundred rounds in it. Red nine, I think, is the pistol. Red nine's great. Uh, the TMP is good, but yeah. but you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, yeah. did you guys ever play with the riot shotgun? Or, I actually played a couple or the times butter, with the or the butterfly. Shotgun. Did you guys ever use the butterfly as your no, pistol? No, but I love the other Magnum that looks like a uh, 1911 Colt. I'd always you could get the, oh, the free butterfly, the Killer right? Seven, right? Yeah, the Killer oh, Seven. Oh, sorry, there not butter, go. not butterfly. Um, what was that other regular nine millimeter pistol? Oh, there was the Punisher that could shoot through two people. And you're not talking about that one. You're talking about the Wasn't first? that the special one? Then you're talking about the first, the first pistol, right? Yeah, 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 I think so. Oh, yeah, the first pistol yeah, you'd sell pretty You never quick. pick those up. Yeah. No, you get rid of them pretty fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or like the mine thrower. Uh, I like the mine thrower, but again, you never use it. So in my... You can't, ul- you can't keep... There's no space for it. You can't... No. You can't have them all. In my ultimate, like, loadout, whenever I had, like, all the weapons, and, like, I was on my, like, my seventh playthrough or something stupid, yeah, I usually had the mine thrower with, like, um... The uh, I didn't use the infinite rocket launcher, but I used the inf- like the the fully upgraded hand the hand cannon. Yeah, and then what was there was one other weapon. Oh, the Chicago typewriter. Yeah, oh, I love yeah. the Chicago typewriter. <laughs> yeah. That's my favorite. I feel like that would have been cooler if it wasn't a one hit kill. If it was like really powerful, but it was unlimited ammo. Yeah, if it was like a souped up TMP. Yeah, like Late- a, like a little a, like a step or two above a maxed out damage TMP. Yeah. Because then it wouldn't kill everything right But you know what? When you hit Chapter 3 and later, um, it wasn't really a one-hit kill anymore. Guys would take a few hits from it. At least they do in the GameCube. I don't think so. That's only because... That's only, though, because a lot of the enemies have a second stage. Or they're carrying shields. I feel like you have to get through their armor or something. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's probably where that comes from. I have to play through again! But the hand cannon felt so powerful. That was... It felt good to get it, too. Like, it's hard to get the hand cannon. You have to play through the mercenary side game all the way through and, like, five-star everything. Is that how you get it? Yeah. How the hell did I get it? Did we transfer one of your saves over for me? I think we... must I think I came over and did it on yours. Oh, because I hated that mercenary shit. I had no interest in it. One time I did transfer a save over so we could all have, like, the ultimate weapons. Yeah, that's right. Because I have the hand cannon on the PS2 and the GameCube version. (laughs) Jesus. Um, I have, like... I was playing through those mercenary levels and, like, one of my high scores was, like, four times the, like, limit to get, like, five stars. It was just stupid. It's crazy. Like, Went on for like the whole time with a like a thirty like a three hundred kill chain or something. So wonder you didn't always win Ariathon. What the hell? Well, see that's and I will get to Ariathon. So, um, but the, in the beginning, Moby won all the Ariathons, yeah. and then in the end, Marty won all the yeah. Ariathons. That's true. So, but <laughs> and I was never Leland a quit. Con- all I the was Ariathons. never a contender. <laughs> you were a contender early. This game's dumb. 
Yeah. I'm real dumb. Well, let's get to the bad before we get to mm-hmm. the really ugly. <laughs> um, yeah, the stuff I, I like, I look back and I'm like, well, eh, whatever. Some of the sections are really long, and not just the island, but just like the castle segments. Castle's so long. Like, there's yeah. a segment from when you get Ashley, um, yeah. and you have to protect her. Like that one's really long. Um, and it's tough. There's like that one section where you have to move all the switches and like crank the levers, and you get, get you can send her to go do the levers. Um, I think you have to at one point. You have to like snipe and protect her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's so easy to kill her. Yeah, it's like the the part where you just got the one lever in the middle and it comes down the stairs, but you have to go down to activate in that yeah. big area. Yeah. yeah, that's a hard, hard. It part. is, and that was one that always screwed me up in the Ariathons. Yeah, you know, super weapons or no. Um, another one was that I didn't like enemies having like machine guns. I li- I didn't mind them when they had arrows or like fire arrows or bombs. Yeah, or whatever. those mini gun guys are bullshit. But I just don't think any of the enemies should have guns. Like I, that made it stop ma- making it Resident Evil for me. Yeah, the enemies were too smart or like high functioning, and then the fact, just the fact that we played the game to absolute death. Um, the note I wrote was, "We played this game to death, death, dead, no more." Okay, one more. <laughs> <laughs> because that's that, entirely accurate. That's just like what happens. We we've played. I've probably beaten the game thirty plus times. Oh yeah, for sure. With all the areathons, and that's uh, that's too many. That was a lot. And the last bad thing I had was uh, protecting Ashley segment. Any for, anytime you had to protect Ashley or save her, I, I always shot her, and that was very frustrating. Yeah, yeah. Mine is a little different. Really, the the two bad things I had. One of them is for me that my interest in the game really fell apart uh, on subsequent playings after the first four chapters, three plus. I just didn't enjoy the castle, which is chapter three and four. And I think it's fair to say none of us really like the island except for Krauser. So there's that. But I really like chapter one and two. But I mean, I guess that's what, 40% of the game? It's kind of fun on professional. Like the yeah, challenge. It's not even 40% of the game. It's less than 40%. It, you're right, of the because game. the chapters aren't all equal. Yeah. That castle three goes on forever. So long. Yeah, three and four are the castle. And I, th- I would say it's like 65% of the game. Yeah. So at the end of chapter four is it, right? Yes. That's, that's the end of chapter four? No, no ch- it, it is fine. It is in five. Yeah. Before it's, um, the island it's Salazar. The island? Salazar is right oh. before the island. Oh, right. Yeah. Salazar is at the end of chapter four. Yeah, Ada and you take the boat, and then you go, and then you're on the island. What part of the island, what part of the island preludes it fight then? Where, I can't even think. I um, know the area. I can think of the area. But you're, you're underground. I think it's right after, oh, it's right after the truck. The truck oh, crashes. You right. take Ashley, you get separated. Fuck. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, randomly, you're in another boss fight. Yeah. Against yeah. it. This thing comes out of nowhere. Which is a complete ammo sink right before Krauser. Yeah. Um, and then you go fight Krauser, and like, if you're fucked, you have to and, fight uh, Krauser with a knife. Cha- what chapter is the knife fight in? Four? Five. Three? It's you, you. The knife fight is right before it. Oh. It's also underground in that little area. Okay. The knife fight is great. The knife fight is the, awesome. The knife fight is fun. It's frustrating, but it's a lot of fun, yeah, and it is so intense. satisfying it when you intense. do it right. It's been a long time, comrade. Oh, we just love Krause to death. Died in the crash two years ago. Is that what they told you? <laughs> so you're the one who kidnapped Ashley. <laughs> like you, I'm American. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Well, we we've got Krauser as a whole line item here, but I just want to see the. <laughs> The only other thing I... Okay, and this is a major point, um, which they only got back to in Resident Evil 7, is the game wasn't scary. Uh, it, it's intense. I agree with you guys. It's intense, but it's not scary. And because the game was so financially successful, it 
it made it so that uh, Resident Evil 5, 6, Revolutions, up to 7, uh, were not scary and action-based games as well. Yep. And I, I yep. didn't like that. I We, liked we, we mentioned when we talked about this generation of console that like RE4 was a highlight for all, all of us yeah. of that console, that entire generation. We mentioned that, yeah. Later iterations and installments, they went too far in the action mm-hmm. side. And it's, a, it's something weird about this game is it was both like an enormous step forward for the series, and but it set up an enormous step back, like a decade's worth of like stepping back. Yeah, yeah it took them ten years to get back on track, probably before they were developing RE7. And there's two reasons why it's not scary. One, you're too powerful. You are a uh, walking tank by the end of the game. The game's a full-on action game. It's it, it's not really a uh, survival horror at all. And and in the beginning, it feels a bit more like that. Like, you're low on ammo, yeah. you're low on health, the enemies are new, that sort of thing, right? It's frightening, but, yeah. not, but never scary. And there's very few, like, jump scares in the game. Not that jump scares are the way to go, necessarily, but, uh, like, you never feel that impending doom like you do in RE7. And uh, the other main reason, I think, is the camera. And I think having a first-person camera in RE7 really changed that again for them. And also having, like, the static camera in uh, the old RE Resident Evils was big as well. And that, like, giving you control of the camera makes it a lot harder to be scared. Did you have any other bad stuff there, Leland? Yeah, the island, like, the island has its highlights, but it's just, like, it's a throwaway. Like, by the time you get there... You're not taking your time like like you... I mean, even in the castle. When you're in the village, you're taking your time. You're plodding through. You're enjoying the experience in the village. But it's a short experience. It's very short-lived. And then as soon as you hit that castle, it's like there are some really cool parts in the castle. But when you hit from basically the castle on, you're like... It feels like you're slogging. And then by the time you hit Chapter 5 in the island, it's you're through the heaviest. It's like chest deep swamp you're wading through trying to get to the end of this so trying to get to the finish line it's like ugh. yeah i felt that way as well it, yeah. it never feels like you want to take your time and smell the roses and enjoy the scenery no you want to get the. Fuck it's like the next it. like castle wall room full of like armors and there's very few sections where it's like new and exciting yeah, and, I mean, especially for us, right at this point. But yeah, yeah, yeah. but for some reason, yeah, you can play the first. Even if we do a Resident Evilathon, you play the first couple uh, sections in the uh, village, and they're still fun. They really are. Yeah, yeah. But you blitz through them. I mean, we blitz yeah. through those in like twenty minutes. That's true. Maybe that's part of it too. Yeah, it's yeah. short. We probably should have led with explaining what Ariathon is, but well, uh, yeah, and that's that's what's next here. So okay. Uh, well, one last thing I don't like is playing as Ashley. Yeah, that Why was, is that that was a bad segment for, for yeah. me, too. Yeah, uh, I didn't like that. Um, it doesn't really add, it doesn't add anything. For no. Me. You know, it's, the stupidest thing is funny. You gain all these items from her. I always found when she finally, you meet up with her and you get these items from her. I was always full. My inventory is full as fuck. And I'm <laughs> ditching these items that she gets. So she did nothing for me. Yeah. I'll, I'll, the only thing you could do is hope you had herbs that you could mix together and make room. Mm-hmm. But yeah, otherwise you're screwed. Yeah, fuck. Yeah, that was a kind of a stupid section for sure. And it just it never paid out. Like you know, it never came back to it. Like a lot of times in a game, you'll have these sections where you play as like a secondary character, and then you get more and more of it throughout the game. Like and then by like the third time, like they've almost gained some abilities or something. Like like Ratchet and Clank games, for example, you play as Clank 
in some sections. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like puzzle solving sections, right? Yeah. We play the Ashley, it's just like boring, don't die sections. Yeah, and granted, it's not very long. That's true. It is. But short. I mean, like, he, yeah, you're like, nothing comes back around. Like, you don't even go through back there as Leon and, like, see progress that she's made no. or what I like. Yeah, I don't know. I guess why would you? There isn't very much backtracking in this game, though. No, not really. No. Not really. You can I, make it so to gain some items. Yeah, that's true. Like, yeah, you go back and get the broken butterfly yeah, or whatever. that's really about it, I guess, though. I, one other section I like, actually, before we move on, is uh, the maze. With the, oh, the yeah, dogs. that's a really That's cool actually part. kind of a scary section yeah. when those things burst out with it's, the uh, They're tentacles. scary, man. Yeah, because you never know when they're going to knock down those freaking cages and jump at you. Yeah. And that, that part's actually pretty intense. Yeah, I always get lost in that fucking thing, too. Yeah, I, every time. Yeah. One one final note for me is I actually really like the reanimators or regenerators. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah, yeah. I thought they those were, were free. They were scary, and they go like, <laughs> yeah, coming out of because for the first part when you first encounter them, you can't kill them. No, no. Well, you can, but you have to like waste so much ammo oh, to yeah. do so it. So you got to get lucky and hit the little parasitical parts exactly. before you find that little and, s- scope. And the thermal scope to kill them, I thought was really cool yeah. because you only get it at the end, and you find they've got these like usually I think it's four or five parasites inside. You got to nail them with the sniper rifle, but if you do, the whole thing blows up like goo. Yeah, but it's always cool. walking towards you, and some of them have spikes. They can be like a yeah, the Iron line. Maidens. Iron Maidens. Yeah, yeah. the one true good scary uh, monster in that game. Yeah, they really were, and they're, and they're slow moving until they're not. Until then they're, they're not, on you. they're on you. And they're even worse when you're on there on the ground. Don't shoot out their legs. Oh yeah, they are so fast when they're on the ground. They jump and you, they grab on your shoulder and in a heartbeat. Yeah, they're like floppy fishes of death. Yeah, I remember first getting, running into those, and I'm like, what the fuck is going on? I don't like that. <laughs> and that's that's why I really like the enemies in RE7, because those mold monsters in RE7 reminded me uh, of those guys in RE4, which le- left such a such an impact. I think that's what I think RE7 needed, was like 75% through the game, and enemies like, like that. You're like playing, and you're like, holy shit. What is this? Yeah. And that, I missed that in RE7. Because you, you get it 25% into the game. Yeah. When you get the molded. And then it's like the last 75 is with, the, oh, I'm fighting these things over and over and over. Yeah. Yeah. Right. All right. All so right. you want to explain what Areathon is to listeners? Yeah. So uh, I don't even know why Areathon came about. Well, how the hell did this idea ever come into being? Because, like, like, I remember doing it. So basically, for whatever reason, we decided that we've, we've all, we all had a Resident Evil 4 at this point. We were going to make a contest out of it because we knew like it was divided into chapters and it timed your chapters. So as soon as you finish each chapter, you can save and it gives you a time for each chapter. And then it also gives you a final time at the end of the game. And it records your how many times you've died and it records your accuracy and amount of kills. So we, we realized we could make a contest out of it. We could play it all through in one night and score ourselves based on... Uh, who finished each chapter first, who finished the overall game first, who died the least, and who had the best accuracy. And the way we scored the points was um, for, it was like a five point must system for uh, each chapter. So whoever won the chapter got five points and then three and one for subsequent uh, second and third place. And then for overall, the same thing, five, three, one. And then for accuracy, it was like, I can't remember the points, but it was 
kind of set up based in like, yeah, a, it was like, it was every, like a bracket. Yeah, every, every 10%, like 10 to 15% or whatever had a different score. point value. Yeah, it was yeah. like 1, 2, 3, 4, yeah. whatever, right? So you got points for it. Um, speaking of which, like, Moby always won that for some yeah, yeah, freaking reason. Yeah, accurate. Yeah, Despite even though he opened boxes with a shotgun. <laughs> with shotgun shell. Yeah, which is crazy. Yeah, Instead that doesn't make sense. I don't know. Maybe it's just the GameCube Maybe thing. Maybe we're just fucking terrible. <laughs> it could be. Uh, apparently we are because we didn't win the first fucking yeah. 10. Um, and then I think with most kills, too. Like we, I never did good on that either. I slaughtered most kills, I think, yeah. a lot of times. Probably do that. Well, that goes hand in hand with accuracy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And most kills are the same thing, like 5, 3, 1. Yeah, right. Yeah. Whoever had the most gets yeah. 5. Yeah, yeah. So I think it was like December 2005 was the it first was, one. It was, yes, that's oh, correct. Wow. You looked it up. There's a picture. Wow. There's a picture. That's 12 yeah. years. That was the one who I slimmed down the first ago. time. I got the yeah. Heineken. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we do have a picture of like the first few. Yeah, and uh, so we, we each of us had our own TV. We just yeah. got three TVs and three consoles side by side, and simultaneously then, playing. This is back play. with like CRT, like TVs, oh, yeah, big oh, heavy tube televisions. Tube. So, uh, so like uh, this was in Leland's basement at the time, and uh, so Moby and I would drive over, pack Moby's car with two TVs, and like <laughs> so I'd I'd carry my big ass TV over to his house. And then, which I think I actually carried it over to your house. I don't even think I, like, I don't even think you went and grabbed me. I think I walked over, like, four houses down with a freaking 100-pound TV. And I wasn't, wasn't in a lifting at the time, even. Like, I was not a big boy. This was a heavy, this (laughs) weighed as much as I did. So, (laughs) I carried it over to his house. And, uh, you know, I think we were actually in grade 12. Like, this was, uh, I wasn't We wouldn't have even been graduated. No. Yeah, because, obviously. That would have been our, probably our 12th year. Yeah, it was. We would have graduated in the summer of 06. Because I remember in our Eathon 2, I was, uh, I was work, I started working and I'd, uh, slimmed down a significant amount. And, you know, we were actually, actually looking like adults at that point. Because in the first picture, <laughs> I was like a little, little tiny kid. This is yeah, true. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the first one was like 2005 and Moby fucking schooled us. Wow. I did. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm pretty sure I got last. And you know, oh, I, really, yeah, wow, that's about the highest I will ever have ever placed in an Ariathon. Then, <laughs> and it also like the latest we started, like we started at, like nine p.m. Oh yeah, it's ridiculous. And like we finished at like four thirty in the morning. Yeah, well, an average run time, average average play time came out to be about five, five, four and a half to five and a half hours. So I think the best we ever did was close to four. In our best, wasn't that with super weapons? Though? Nope, uh, super oh, weapons okay. we were sub like three, like, like four, clo- four and a half. Yeah, there's no way it was lower than that. No, it wasn't. It was it was about four and a half was our best. Yeah, um, and we and it's with us taking breaks between chapters, of course, to fuel up. Yeah, bathroom breaks. Four, four and a half was our time though. Like like we definitely took breaks. Like but four and a half was our play time. Yes, finish. yeah, play time. Play time. Um, but the first one I think took closer to six. Like, oh, probably. Yeah. Um, because the fact is, if you rush it too much, you can't beat the freaking game. That's right. Which yeah. we discovered later on several times. Um, the only reason the first couple were successful for all of us is we were playing it all the time. Yeah, you know, and that that made a difference. So yeah. the first one happened, we lost, and for some fucking reason, with twenty one days later, we did a R <laughs> E match. That's right. And so, like, we, Merry Christmas, yeah, because the first one was like December twenty first, two thousand five. So it, was, it became a Christmas tradition later on. Yeah. Um. So we did a rematch like three less than a month later, and then two months after that, we did another one. Introducing Moby's brother, 
and playing with super weapons. Oh, yeah, a fourth player. A fourth, a fourth player and yeah. a fourth television. He did yeah. well. I mean, he had no clue what the game was. I think he was last, but I mean... So, yeah, it was respectable yeah. for sure. He beat it. Yeah. And that one was one I actually almost could have won the super weapons one, and I actually ended up turning off my TV somehow, and then I paused, but I wasn't sure if I was paused because oh, I panicked. Yeah, that's right. And then I couldn't turn my TV back on because I needed the controller for some reason. We had to reprogram another TV controller yeah. with that TV's code yeah. to turn it back on. Which was like... Oh, we were thing. freaking. We were scrambling. We were we like, oh were. no, we've lost, it. we've lost it. Yeah, we thought it was ruined. Because it was near the end. It was. It was yeah. like two-thirds through. And I remember... So the thing with... Or all, was it even right at the title screen? Uh, no, no. I, we were play, still playing. Because I remember we played after we fixed yeah, it. Yeah, we did. Because I think we all paused. Yeah. Yeah. I think it screwed up my time a bit, but I think that I would have lost anyways. But anyways, so what always screwed up Moby, which was funny, was this one little puzzle in the game. (laughs) And it's it's at the Ashley part. It's a simple little like tile puzzle like like a kid gets his tile puzzle and you put together like a picture of when a you spider. know the solution it's simple yes Isn't the, later yeah you you move the furthest right tile in this so it's a it's a three by three grid there's nine tiles total you move the furthest right tile in the middle grid to the left to the center and then you rotate all of the outside tiles until it lines up it was eight too many tiles for moving oh yeah sorry <laughs> of course there's there's it's a three by three but there's eight tiles because of course one empty space where you're moving. right it's like a, it's like playing that, that slide fifteen or whatever, right? You're yeah. moving shit around trying to make a picture and make a pattern. <laughs> and I just reason, screwed it up every time. Moby would lose fifteen minutes there, and that was our hope every time. Yeah, that was about it. Like maybe we'll get him. Yeah. And I remember in the super weapons one, I think Chris ended up uh, helping you, your brother. <laughs> yeah, was, he did. He did. He and, took it over, and, and that like, kept you going. Moby, I'll fix this. Um, yeah. But, you know, that one was like, okay, we played three in a row. And, like, I mean, that's just insane. That's like, crazy. Like, I'd probably played the game, like, ten times already at that point in, like, six months. So, uh, we took a break for a while. And then this was around the time we started drinking. So, <laughs> we actually uh, jumped back into it again, thinking we'd play and drink. And us being, like, I think Leela and I were, like, 18. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, don't incriminate me. Um, <laughs> hey, we didn't say who bought, who booted. You know, I remember, I remember my first me. beer. So, like, I think we had had a couple beers by, like, the end of the village. And honestly, like, I was too buzzed to yeah. play this game. Me too. too far gone. Me too. Yeah, like, we had a... Dying like crazy. Yeah, it was not good. No, I mean, I, I just have a... We have a photo of ourselves, like, we gave up. We're like, you know, <laughs> normally we take a photo in, like, the final, like, picture, like, the final frame together. And uh, we couldn't even make it. And that was the end for a while. We uh, we stopped there for a little bit. And then we, I think we came back the next year with Ariathon 2, and then it became a, a yearly thing. Yeah, up um, until about four years ago. Yeah, about that, yeah. Because we did one in this apartment, I think. We did, yeah. That I, was the last one. Um, You know, I was with my wife at the time. I think it was about 2014 was the last one. Oh, okay, so sooner than wow. Yeah. Ugh. By that point, Leland was regularly quitting, and it was actually <laughs> built into the score. It was formally printed out <laughs> on the score that... There is a minus two penalty every time Leland quit. And often he would amass two or three negatives <laughs> per night. Well, well I, like one and I just straight up turned. I said, fuck it. I, and I turned yeah. off my console. I was done. My favorite one, though, was there was one time where you're like, I can't do it. I can't do it. And you had your hand with your thumb <laughs> over the power off. 
and I was negotiating with you <laughs> like, like a crisis negotiator. I was like, Leland, settle down. Let's hope for the future. You don't need to do this. And you're uh, like, fuck you, Moby. I'm going to do this. I, I think you done. ended up doing I've it. Had it. Yeah, I, think I think you I did end up doing it. Well, that's because we, we kept playing with regular like playthrough weapons. It became <sighs> torturous. And it then was. we decided, you know it what, was. for tradition's sake, let's just play with super weapons. And that made it a little bit easier. Because at least then it's only like two and a half hours long. Yeah, that cuts a solid two, two and a half hours yeah. off the time. And, but it's so frustrating when you die with super weapons though. Oh yeah. Because then that, that you lose. Like that's it. Like if you have like five deaths and then you know Moby has zero, it's like yeah, you're, you're, you're screwed. screwed. Yeah, <laughs> like if you die at a boulder part or something, it it changes the game a lot too because then like, you start like cutting as many corners as you can to, to run and rush, and then yeah. making risks like taking risks because yeah. you you need it you need to. We're watching each other's screen and like we're all like running towards the end of the chapter. It's like oh my god, that was always I think my favorite part is like when you looked over and we're all in the same area. Yeah, yeah, we're literally like seconds behind or yeah. ahead of each other. And the Krauser knife fight. We all always seem to. Oh have yeah. Time. Yeah. yeah, and we'd always like force ourselves to watch the cutscene for that too, as much as we could. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. Good it was stuff. good. Yeah, you know, I think we we kept it going as far as we could with the names too, like Re Tribution, Re Evolution, Re Revenge. <laughs> um, there's a bunch. Re Rebirth. Rebirth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I feel like that was like the third one. Yeah, because remember I was like smack talking and sending out photos and stuff. Like I photoshopped <laughs> a bunch of photos. <laughs> back when we were really into it uh, those were the days they were and you know can you guys imagine doing another one no are you honest i don't know if i no. could man it'd be tough i could sit down and i could play the game again i could i could not speed run i could not already get it yeah no. i don't know no i i honestly wouldn't want to and i was the one guy pushing for us to keep it going as a tradition but now that i haven't done it and life has regained its luster. <laughs> I can I see don't. color again. I it's can like see clearly it's like now. Re is gone. <laughs> it's, like in, it's like in Pleasantville when everyone starts having sex and now they can see color. Ah, like, oh, I see color again. I can enjoy life. I played Stardew Valley. Video games oh. are fun again. <laughs> nice segue. No, I, I couldn't imagine doing it again. And to be honest, I don't know if I'll play the game again. Period. If yeah, I might, well, I, I don't I no longer have a console where I own it on anymore, so. I'll rebuy it again, probably. You can buy it for PS4 now. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, could, I could go for a playthrough. They have a package where you can buy it with um, Resident Evil 4, 5, and 6. Oh, and, really? But it's like $50 on sale. Oh, that's garbage. That's terrible. And, 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 and you know what's all... What's also, sucks. That's the thing too, and RE6 is probably worse. Yeah, I never played that one, but RE4, a lot of I think when I bought it for 360 when they re-released it for like the tenth time. Yeah. It was twenty bucks. Yeah, that's a steal, man. But like twenty bucks though, for a game that's over ten years old. I know like most yeah, they're like gangbusters like that. It's they're making the bank for yeah, sure. Because yeah. they don't have to do anything to re-release that thing. Oh, I know. Oh man. Yeah, so I'm done. With the Re- Resident Evil on, I think I could see us like getting together, turning it on, and like playing it, but never in a race. Yeah, and we would. You come to a point where like, yeah, I think we're done, and we're like, yeah, yeah, all right, let's close it up. But it's not worth the effort of getting three friggin' TVs together in one goddamn room. No. Yeah. Well, it sounds like the game's over. So. <laughs> 
that almost segues us, doesn't it, hey, Leland, to another game we're done with. You're dead. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> you die. Well, yeah, okay, that leads us. I would hope we're not done with this game. Oh. But that leads us to the crazy about cardboard segment, where we are going to reflect on a game very near and dear to my heart that many of you listeners may be familiar with, HeroScape. Oh, man, I love this game. This is the perfect game. This, You know, it's funny. when I, I think I've mentioned like some of my gateway games and how I first got in this hobby. I was playing this, and I was playing this miniature war gaming, this miniature war game, before I knew what that was. Like, before I knew what, what this hobby was, how it, like, this was my gateway game. For those unfamiliar, uh, like I said, it's a miniature war gaming. It basically it's a system. This was like your marijuana. Yeah. This came out in 2004. Now you're um, a heroin addict. Yeah. Originally put out by Milton Bradley, and then they soon switched over to Wizards of the Coast for the later years of its run, both of which are subsidiaries of Hasbro. It uh, came with uh, pre-painted minis and these this really cool like hexagonal terrain where you can make 3D. Just you just it's like it was like a hexagonal Legos basically. You build you build the terrain. You build your map. Uh, originally designed by Craig Van Ness, Rob Davio, and Stephen Baker, uh, all of which still go on to uh, design games. I I'm not sure. I know Rob is definitely not with Hasbro anymore. I think Craig is not either. I'm not sure about Steven. But, like, this was... Uh, reading things online, like, I've read, like, this was really, like, Craig Van Ness's baby. It was just, like, his inception. He uh, he was always touted as um, being very uh, receptive to the fan base. And, like at, like, at every Gen Con, they would have this. And... He'd be so interactive with the fans because people love this game. The fan, it's like a hardcore fan base for this game, and he'd be like going to uh, like fan thrown parties, like hero heroescapers they call them, right? Heroescapers like going to fan thrown parties and interacting with them. Like he's just, I think the community just just loves this guy. And Rob uh, is may sound very familiar to you, listener. Uh, he he it's like it was like him and craig he they were like kind of the two heavy heavy guys design guys in this from what i've read anyways but he rob davio is like the inventor of like the legacy style board game so it's funny like now going back and looking at and seeing these these recognizable names for me after being you know now i'm, I'm in this hobby like oh i know these guys this is this is amazing they worked on heroes game holy fuck and then Stephen Baker, he actually had the idea for the the 3D modular terrain, which is like a hugely defining characteristic of this game. Like, I think it is like the defining characteristic. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, this game's so good. So the premise the premise is basically there's the there there's five different factions. They call them generals, and in this in this world, four of them are fighting the big bad uh, Utgar, and basically they're all the generals pull like heroes from different time periods and like genres they pulling them to the universe to fight for them and to fight this war for them so you get you get army units from all over like uh enar they they generally typically have samurais and uh, roman warriors yeah roman warriors like like kind of historical stuff yeah um then you get 
you get like Vidar, which is like like cyborgs, and they and there's a like robots, like yeah. oh yeah, just you get like, this, like uh, sci-fi stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Sci-fi there's stuff. a fantasy one too, right? Yeah, that's uh, uh, green guys. Green the one, green yeah. guys. That's Ular. Yeah, um, like you get elves and like mystical creatures and stuff, like serpents. And they all have dragons too. Oh yeah, there's every faction's got their dragon too. Oh man, this is just this is just so good. And then they had the Marvel ones too. That was really cool. there was there was yeah. a, a Marvel master set they called them. So there was a number of master sets, but yeah, yeah. there was a Marvel one which uh, was well done too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I just love this fucking game. You know, it was really fun, and it's funny looking back at it that it was, like, your first, like, trip down the board game, like, yeah, genre. Yeah, I was full on in this game. And, it, you know, when you start getting into the hobby and buying all these games and we start playing them, I totally forgot about Heroescape. Yeah. And I forgot, like, that is a board game. It's part of the hobby. It really, yeah, it's, uh, it is its own subsect. It's funny, though, like, it's, it's sad, too. Like, there was a run there a few years ago where... Uh, I was playing this like crazy. Um, not with you guys, unfortunately, but like I had a play group that we were like, we would, they would come over on a Wednesday evening and we'd play in the all hours of the night because usually a game of this takes a solid three to five hours, depending on the point value of your army. Especially if you want to take the time, set up the board, you want to play a couple rounds. That's yeah, the thing, right? Definitely. Definitely. Because we used to set it, we'd go into like, one of our basements, and even if we didn't have a big enough table, we'd set it up on the floor somewhere. Yeah. And we'd all sit cross-legged and play this thing. Yeah, it's good stuff. Oh, God, I love this game. But, you know, it's there are some criticisms people have of this game. It's like like with the, the map. The, it takes time. The, the setup and the teardown, it takes a lot of time for this game. But that was never a problem for me. I love the setup. Teardown, okay, whatever. But at the end of the game everyone's help they tear it down you stack the like pieces i put them away into my specifically organized uh tupperware drawers that i have to store this beautifully so it's it's all nice and compact but there's a i have a program called virtual scape and it's just a it's a map builder for for heroescape you put in all the sets you have so it keeps track of the terrain and i have like literally dozens of files of maps using different types of terrain i build it for all different types of player counts because, you know, every player needs to have their own starting area where they put their army and start. Oh, man, I just love this game. Yeah, there's so much you can do with it. And it's fun with two people, but it's really fun when you have three or oh, four. Oh, when you're having an all-out war with, like, three other people. Man, yeah. it's cool. Yeah, it's super cool. So, uh, I guess I'll go over some gameplay. So, basically, you you draft a, a certain value of, a, a point value of army. And each unit has their own value so you know at the end of the game at the beginning of the game you you can you pick the value usually we would play like a 500 to 750 point game depending and then that of course the more points the more figures on the board the longer it's going to go so once you have your army you the, the way the turn the turns go through is each round is, is comprised of three turns and you have the, what are called these order markers uh, one through three, and then you have an X, which is kind of like a fake out. And everyone at the same time puts on their order markers onto the army card that they want to activate, and then that dictates the order in which you activate those units. And then everyone, you roll for initiative, so you goes first, and then uh, starting with the first player, clockwise around the table, they reveal their first order marker, they move that unit, they move they attack with it, use any powers it has, and then depending on the play style that you've dictated, usually we would play just like a death match. Last man standing wins. 
just super simple. It's ridiculously simple. Even with all the different powers, it's just so simple and easy to get into, easy to teach. This game is amazing. The only complicated thing, and this is the best part of it, is building your army. Like, yeah. deciding and learning what characters and what units work best together. Yeah, because that that is what this game... This game is about synergy. Mm-hmm. How you win this game is number of attacks and synergy. Mm-hmm. Most number of attacks... Is and vampires. And vampires. And Cyprian S and one <laughs> So, depending on what you can play, like, I have almost every figure. I'm missing one wave of figures. Wave 9, Black Moon Siege. Incredibly expensive now. I, I have to get this someday. But... There's, I'm looking at a stack of army cards here. It's like four inches tall. It's like a four inch stack of these of these thin cardboard army cards. It's insane. There's so Is many. Is that your whole stack? That's all of them. That's everything. Even, wow. even the marbles. Uh, it's it's insane. There's so many units, and so you can draft if you're familiar with the game, which well we are. It's fun to be able to draft through all, all across all of the generals. But normally, when you're reintroducing it, and you have newer players. It's sometimes it's best just to parcel, just to give, here, you, you're playing, uh, you'll play the Jandar general. So you pick from Jandar's pile of available yeah. units. Like, I'll, I'll play Ukar. You've got Enar. Uh, here's, you know, here's even Akila, who's, who happened to be a sixth general they added much later into the game. Oh, I really want to play now. Me too, man. We got to set up a Let's time turn this to thing play off. this. Oh, I love this game. So, so good. What's next? Well, uh, Go ahead, Bowie. Well, I was going to say, you know, we should talk about some specifics, like specific characters and mechanics within the game that we like. Um, and if it's cool, I'll I'll start us off here. Sure. My strategy, and by the way, I don't think I ever won a game. Uh, no, you're pretty bad. Yeah, I, I legit am pretty bad, but I enjoy it. Um, I always liked characters that could take multiple attacks. Um, so, you know, my three or four favorites, um, I don't know if Charles, the green dragon can do multiple attacks, but I liked him. No, no. he he attacks once. He attacks once. He's got a decent attack though. He's got a good attack. He's got five attack, five defense, and he's got counter strike, which is awesome. Yes. Which is crazy cool for a dragon. Counter strike is great. So what that is, is if someone attacks you and I roll defense dice in excess, like enough to defend and then in excess. Any additional shields. It would them, count as a right. hit back at them. And the comments says some super easy. Each unit has a value, uh, you know, upward, even upwards of seven or eight. Uh, that just denotes how many of these six-sided dice you pick up. And on these die, there are, I believe, three attack symbols, two shields, and one blank. So attacker rolls however many die they got. Defender, boom. Uh, if you have more attack bases than shields, uh, you deal damage in, ex- in a, a excess of the shields that you rolled the the skull faces, and yeah. and most units, depending on what type of unit they are, they'll either only have one life or they'll have multiple life. Like the unique heroes, like Charles, instance has nine life, which is why Moby loves him so much, right? Yeah, yeah, he can take a lot of he can take a lot of damage for sure. Yeah, and I liked uh, Major Q9 and Major Q10 were my two Those favorites. Cool. They're, they're from cool. Vidar. They were, uh, they're both like mechs. Yeah. And uh, they both had multiple attacks, uh, so they yep. could fire off uh, between two and four attacks each round. Um, Q9 is nuts. His Quaglet's gun is insane. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, the little, isn't that his machine gun that, that does yeah. two die rolls? No, it, so he, he's got, die rolls of he's two got one. No, so okay. you have a nine 
dice, and oh, you yeah. divvy up. You choose That's right. to divvy up as many attacks as you want uh, using up that nine dice. I think the max you could do is like three. Three, yes. Yeah, that's, that's right. so cool. It's just like, again, number of attacks. It's like he, he's so powerful. He is. He is. And it was cool because, yeah, these heroes can tank some of them a bit. You know, yeah. they can take, you know, a, a number yeah, of damage. Yeah, that's the thing. Those but squads. Q9 only has four lives, Exactly. Yeah. But it, and he costs a lot of points. He is See, that was fun. Yeah. You can get him and you got this beefy hero, but you spend so much of your pool of points yeah. to draft him. Like Charles is 210 points. Exactly. That's a lot you of points. Damn well if you're playing a 500 point game, that's a lot of points. And I think in retrospect, I was going to ask you guys, like, if you can remember, because it's been so long, you know, was my fault that I would continually draft these beefy heroes and not use them properly? Because I was never a squad guy. In Leland, you were yeah. a squad guy. Yeah, I do love the, I do love the, uh, the squads. It's funny, there's like a subsect of people who also love them. They like nickname their games. They play Squadscape instead of Heroescape because <laughs> they yeah. just don't ever take the heroes. But yeah, like I said, like number of attacks. When you have a squad of, of three figures and you're activating them with one of your order markers, you're getting three attacks. If they have an attack value of three, that's three times you're rolling three attack die. And you um, give them a height advantage. Or yeah, something? if you give them. So yeah, another mechanic is height advantage. If you're if the character's base is higher than uh, the base of the character they're attacking, they will add an additional die for height advantage. And you can get the same when defending too, if your character is higher. Yeah, it just I think I think that is this game comes down to number of attacks, right? Because that is the way you are able to mitigate the dice combat is by number of attacks total. Because like like Charles, Charles is great and he's powerful, but you fly him around and you land him down, you set him down in the middle of a squad. He can only potentially reduce one of those three attacks that may be coming around you next round, right? And also, a lot of the strategy comes in uh, with so you don't know you don't know what numbers your opponents are activating, but you can see where they have their order markers, and you can see which units they are potentially planning to activate. And that's the that's the strategy. You know, you got to get into their head and see. Well, when would he? This hero is kind of low on life. Would he try to rush him out and hope he wins initiative and put the number one on him to get? as much of the last last life this guy has mm-hmm. before he runs him to death kind of thing. Or is that the X and he's just baiting a target for me yeah. when he circles around with his other guy or with stuff like that. Totally. And I feel like that's where Moby's big greatest weakness was, was mm-hmm. he very rarely put... Uh, so what you would often do is you'd spread your order markers out. That is true. And you oh, very yeah, rarely yeah, go more true. than once. Mm-hmm. Right, because you are able to stack Turn or turn markers on one like I could put all four of my turn markers on one army if I wanted to. Yeah, yeah. No, that's right. And you've got like Sergeant Drake Alexander, or whatever, with his sword and what, yeah. seven yeah, attack yeah. or something. Who do you like, Marty? Was it Subakna? The you like the 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 giant skeleton half. That is Subakna. Yeah, yeah. I, I like them. Yeah, once in a while. Subakna's cool, but he's you? squishy. He's got yeah, seven attack, yeah. huge attack, but only three defense. Yeah, like, he's super. And my favorite he's class cannon. My favorite was always a vampire class character. Oh, yeah. Uh, Cyprian. Cyprian Essanoi. Yeah. And Sonia. And Sonia. His wife. Yeah. His betrothed. Marku. Marku. Nobody likes Marku. He's the, he Marcu. is the red-haired stepchild of that. Literally, he is red. Yeah, he is like this. So what I thought would be an interesting little sub-segment is if I grab that pile of cards over there and I uh, randomly choose a character and see if Leland can uh, list off the stats and um, the special attacks. 
because he claims he can't. He thinks I he- I at one, when we were playing this, I had every unit in my brain. Like when someone would draft it, I'm like, oh, that's great. Or someone had a question, I don't even need them to read the army card for me. I would be like, yeah. This does this. This is how this works. Which is terrifying, considering we don't really play this game anymore. I, I wonder if they're still ratting around out there. But like all these these stats that I've rattled off right now when we're talking, they're straight from my brain. So I'm just, I just pulled a random one because I don't want to like just pick the hardest ones necessarily. Just yeah, be random. So some of the units are are not great, so they never get played, so they're difficult. So this one's Evar Scar Carver. Oh crap! He's yeah okay. Vidar. Yeah, and he's from the... So what, when Wizards of the Coast took over, this was kind of the downfall of this game. They they moved to uh, towards a more a D&D-themed waves of figures. And a wave, if you don't know, a wave is just like comprises of four like booster packs of figures. Um, so these ones I'm not as familiar with. But I think his attack and defense are four and four. He's got some kind of double attack because I know this figure has like two weapons he's holding in his hands. Jeez. Movement's probably like five. Point value, 130 maybe? I don't know. Okay, so you were actually pretty close. Uh, point value, 110. Oh. Life was five. Move was five. Attack was only two. Oh, shit. Defense is three, but he does have a double attack. Oh, that wasn't close at all. So that's pretty impressive. He's weaker than I thought. But he has like a frost rage. Oh. So uh, it seems like you reveal in a numbered order marker on his card. You may also reveal an X. And then his army card uh, activates his frost rage. Add one to oh, it. Oh, it adds his attack, uh, right. which would raise it to almost four and four. <laughs> that's funny. So that's pretty close. Uh, let's do a yeah. Now, one of the... Do one more here. Let's use one. Oh, uh, ninjas of the northern wind. Oh, okay. These guys are cool. So I think their attack and defense value, respectively, are three and four. Their point value is one hundred and ten. They have a vanish, which I think you, so you, when they're attacked and a skull is rolled, they roll the D20, and if they get a 13 or higher, I believe, for them, they, they get, to, you get to move them away or something. They negate the attack and they move. Uh, I think they have a stealth movement as well. And they're a squad, so they have one life each. Yeah, really close. Yeah, so 110 points, you're right. Attack four, defense three. Oh, damn it. Uh, so you just got those backwards. Oh. Um, you're right about the disappearing ninja. Thirteen. It, it's twelve or higher. Oh wow! Oh, That's really way better. So, and then they do have ghost walk, so they can move through and they can disengage. Oh, that's a uh, that's a good squad. Yeah, that's a really good squad. Okay. That disappears crazy. Uh, that I always loved using those guys. Yeah, they're cool. Okay, uh, let's go with Marrow Stingers. Ooh, oh, Marrow Stingers. Okay, yeah, yeah. That's they're, so they're from the second master set, Swarm of the Morrow, and the Morrow are like the main. Uh, bad guys in the Ugar faction. They're, pretty, they're like this alien race. They're they're like these this pale, like almost like skinless kind of thing. Marl Stingers. Uh, they're seventy five points. Three, four figures maybe. Three figures, I think. They have uh, Maro Drain. They, they get to roll a d twenty. Depending on the, they have a range of rolls. Um, you can either potentially, if you roll a one, you loot. You have to kill one, or they can raise their attack. Uh, probably defense three, attack three, maybe? Yeah, so they do have the stinger drain. If you roll one to four, you must destroy them. Oh, that's brutal. Five to nine, add zero to the attack. If you roll a ten or higher, add one to the attack. And it's three, three for attack, defense, 60 points. Oh, 60, okay. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah, the good thing about the, the squad, so when you're drafting squads, there are unique and common, like, army cards. 
all the heroes generally are unique, meaning you can only have one unique army card in your army. Of course, other players can draft the same unique if you happen to have multiples, which I have a lot of multiples. Um, but the common ones, you can have as many as you want, as many as you have. So you could draft like two or three units of those stingers, and then maybe losing one wouldn't be so bad. Mm-hmm. So when you have multiple common stuff, when you activate, you basically you activate one army card's worth of figures. So if that normal squad has three, doesn't matter what card you have or how many have died from what army army card, you just activate three of any of that that figure on the board. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I like yeah, that. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Yeah, I like the ones where you can keep bringing them back to. Like, uh, what were those ones you used to use all the time where they, like, respawn in Swamp or something? Oh, um, the Morrow... Dr- no, not drone. The Warriors. Yeah. Just in the water. They the were, water, like, yeah. They would, like, bud off of each other. They were, like, re... They are like gremlins or something. They are right from the, the first Master yeah. Rise of Valkyrie. And, oh, man, but what I... Okay, my favorite figure. I love Torkuna. He's ah, he's a yes. Utgar. So it's funny. Torkuna is this little Maro guy, but he rides this giant Maro. And oh, he's so good. I think Torkuna is like 220 points. Attack 6, defense 5. It's 5 life, 6 life, but he's got this stomp where he can, he's so big on small or medium figures, he can just move through them. And if you roll a certain d20 roll, I think it's like 15 or higher, you just inflict a wound. So if he's if you do that to a squad figure, that squad figure's dead. He's yeah. just literally stomping on these squad <laughs> figures. Oh, so good. That is cool. And you always have to say his name as Torkuna. It's and part of the rules. It is. It's in, it's in the rule book. I wrote it in Sharpie. So. <laughs> <laughs> and my other favorite is probably the Death Reavers. They're like, they're just mechanical rats. Mm. They're really cheap. They're like 40 points, four defense, one attack. Uh, but they come with four of these rats, where when you move them, and if, if a Death Reaver is attacked, uh, they have a scatter, where you can move two other ones. Right. So they're perfect for tying up your opponent's figures, uh, when, and then you just move in your big hitters to just mop up. Yeah. Because... Because if you take move away from them, you're taking a risk of taking Right, a, you take a disengagement yeah. strike. And basically, whoever you're moving away with, uh, they get a free strike. Very, mm-hmm. you know, super common in lots of combat stuff. Yeah. And, uh, oh, man, I love them. And they, they actually also have disengage. And they have, like, climb two and stuff, blah, blah, blah. Um, little OP. Like, mo- movement stuff. They're, yeah. they're actually ridiculously OP because four defense is difficult to overcome. That's with, a like, lot for a squad. With, yeah, with, mm. with, like, a normal three attack yeah. squad, usually that's the base, right? Three and three is a, yeah. a mid-range for a squad. How but many points are these guys? Forty. What? And I got three army cards. Oh, no, oh, I think wow. I... Yeah, I got three of the army cards. So if you're getting even two squads of those, you have eight of these fucking rats so that you can just scatter them all across the board. You were saying you've got pretty much every unit. I have, yeah. So every, what, what are you missing? Of, I'm missing all of Wave 9, Black Moon Siege. Okay. Yeah, I have everything else. I have the three, like, Dungeon Dragons wave. I have the Dungeon Dragons master set. Um, yeah. Is, is there any reason why you haven't picked up Wave 9? Oh, like it's incredibly expensive. Really? So, I looked. I was looking on eBay just yesterday. Uh, I could get the entirety of Wave 9 for $400 Canadian. Uh, it's like 315 US. Like, it's they're incredibly expensive. Is, yeah. Wow. If you wanted to get just a... I found a sealed master set. The first master set. $550 Canadian. Wow. Which is 430 US. Wow. Insanely expensive. Man. And the problem is... 
I would want multiples of that wave because there are lots of common <laughs> common dudes yeah. in there that I but want. It'd be, it'd be cool to at least have one. It would be amazing to have yeah. just complete the set. Yeah. yeah but I, of course, there's there's some uh, like Gen Con promos that I'll have. And, yeah, but that's pretty normal. That's like Pokemon cards. Yeah. So right. You're not gonna get every freaking shiny random card. Yeah. I guess it's just something a little bit cooler than Pokemon cards. But. Hey, <laughs> I still have mine, and they're uh, awesome. But yeah, that's uh, that's pretty crazy. How I like. I know how much you have. I've seen these boxes, obviously, we've yeah, played. Yeah, so many figures. I mean, you must have thousands of dollars worth, and especially now that they're worth more. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It's. I'm glad you kept it. I know you're at one point you contemplated selling it all briefly. Well, I had recently had an offer. Someone yeah. had asked me if I would sell it, but I can't do it. Can't do it. Yeah, I don't know. I think you should just keep it at this oh, point. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You, you've invested too much. Definitely. Just the time alone putting it all together. Yeah, you know, it's really sad that this game went the way of the dodo, though. Yeah, that's uh, that actually kind of surprised me because we got into it right around the time it died. Honestly, <laughs> like, yeah, wasn't, wasn't long after. It, you're right. You're right. I think it lasted until about 2010. I think yeah. it was, and I think I started in it about 0708. Yeah, I believe it was 08. Yeah, shit, man. Oh, I love this game. It sucks though, because like, so when Wizards of the Coast took over, that was really like I mentioned the downfall. I think so. They moved over. They themed it D and D, obviously, to push. You know, to to try to bring these HeroScape fans into their their two main their main flags, right? Dungeons and Dragons and Magic: The Gathering. But also, I think uh, they the reasoning for them was uh, cost cutting because a lot all of those pre painted minis that came are they're just reprints of already existing Dungeons and Dragons figures oh. for the role playing game. So that they were cutting costs there, and I don't know, man, it just they're cool. They're not. They don't fit, really fit all that well with what had, the nine waves that had come before it. Yeah. Um. But you know, there there's some cool stuff there. Like there's like uh the Hydra is so cool. He gets four attacks. He's got four life. Four attacks of like four or five, I think. Oh my god! But every time for every wound he has, he loses an attack, as if you're cutting off his heads. Oh. Because the figure has, of course, he's a four headed Hydra. Yeah. So, yeah, it's really cool. They're they're, they're pretty thematic too. Uh, there's this really awesome fire giant, Shurak. He's got this huge fucking cleave of a sword. Ugh, so cool. And you know, a great thing about this game is like all the different terrain, too. you got so much different terrain. That's another thing they had. Well, that was another reason is uh, the price point for this game. They they were very competitive, but they could never find a price point where they were actually making money on it. Mm. And I guess there was a resistance to raise, raise the price above the retail that they had it at at the, at the time, because this was actually very widely available in, like, Walmarts and stuff. So, you know, lower-costing kind of products lining their shelves and stuff like that. Uh, I guess they just never really could find a, a price point to settle on. Um, but, ah, man. And then they just discontinued it. Yeah. I, I remember when they did. Yeah. yeah. Well, we, we fell out of it a bit. But, uh, you know, the more we talk about it here, the more I want to play. I know. Very I know. much unlike Resident Evil 4. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, I've kind of covered everything I, I wanted to cover about it. I, I love the game. Yeah, so good. So good. Yeah. In summary, we got to I wanted it to... to... Okay. Yeah. Before you summarize, I wanted to actually... Uh, one, of, one of my favorite moments playing this game. I don't know who it was. I think it might have been with you. Yeah, one. I think I remember. When, when okay, another unit, another favorite unit I love is the zombies. Yeah. Oh, the zombies it, are it so was good. Me. The zombies we are so good. We have pictures. I think they had, like, two attack, three defense. Three figures in a unit, 60 points each. 
Ah, so they're common, obviously. So, and I have like four army cards worth of them. So I love drafting all four. I have 12 zombies out there. This horde of zombies. Their movement's garbage. They got a four movement, which is below average. Usually five is the average. But they have, uh, like an, uh, like a swarm attack. So, so they have a shitty base of two. But if you have three zombies surrounding the same figure all on the same level, they can do this zombie onslaught and attack with a six die attack. And when they kill, a figure, you can take a previously destroyed figure and put it into the space of the figure you just destroyed. And they just rise. That's they what come I, back. That's what I was thinking. And one one shall rise. rise. And there was this one game we were playing, and I had the zombies. Moby, uh, yeah, we were playing, I had the zombies. Moby, you had Iron Man. That's right. And I had this horde of zombies surrounding Iron Man. And Iron Man, he's uh, he's got a double attack, so Moby is just Boom, boom, repulsor blast, repulsor blast, and zombies, my zombies are coming back, and just rising, and I'm just swarming, and I'm dealing, and I'm, I just can't, I can't damage them. These zombies are, like, clawing at Tony Stark's armor and just can't penetrate, and just, boom, he's just blasting the left, right, and <laughs> Oh, man, it's so good. Yeah, it was great. I, uh, it, I, there are pictures. I don't know if I still have oh, them, yeah, I yeah, pictures of that happening. <laughs> and so you can good. imagine it, too. That's part of the fun. You can imagine Stark with his palms yeah, out. Like, bing, so, it told a story. It really yeah, tells a story. In the uh, Walking Dead universe. <laughs> this is Iron Man. Yeah. yeah. He saves everybody. <laughs> oh, man. It's like Marvel zombies. I could go on about this game forever. Just, ah. Oh, it evokes so much, so many positive emotions and, and negative emotions. Like, when you're, when you get a big hit, you got, you're rolling six attack dice and you roll five blanks and a shield. You're oh. like, what? No, no. How? But then, but then when you are defending against a four-hit attack, and you're only rolling four dice, and you get four shields, oh my god, you're on top of the world. Like, huh. And the great thing is, like, those those die rolls don't happen all that often. Like, usually, you're, you're going with the odds, right? You play in the odds, you get the most attacks, but when you get an upset like that, uh, and it's not enough to swing the game, generally, right? To make it, like, oh, so many randomness. Even though this game is entirely random. It's just, oh, so good. Oh, we didn't talk about uh, Arena of the Planeswalkers. We should talk about that. So in 2015, Wizards tried to... They kind of did like a soft reboot of this with uh, Magic the Gathering, uh, Arena of the Planeswalker, that it gets called. And it's it's basically like Heroescape rules, but they added spell cards, uh, like, you know, like you would play in Magic the Gathering. And it kind of pisses me off because I, I love this game so much. And then I get this... this, this fucking shadow of, of, of this former self is uh, I don't know I've never played it the figures look cool like it's a cool premise instead of a, like a, a general's army basically you're playing a planeswalker of a of a specific mana color like the, of one of the five mana colors of magic and you can draft other creatures of your mana color and I don't know it's just the rollout again was the same thing. They didn't support this game as the problem, and this thing's dead, dead on the vine too. I think there's been a couple expansions, but it took them like a year plus, I think, before they even released another expansion after the, after the core set. Like they just, I don't know. They did it not. It didn't. I don't know if it didn't sell right to support it properly, but I don't know. You know, it could be actually cool to maybe pick some of those figures up and just add them to like make an army card. Can you play them with the old Heroescape? I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah. But all, but the 
I don't know. Yeah, you might have to make some like house rule army cards for yourself. That's what I felt. I like from reading about it, it didn't seem like it continued it. No. It just took no. It was like a spiritual uh, successor. Yeah. But you read the rule set. It's got all the rules of Heroescape. Oh, okay. Like you could you like you could use your Heroescape terrain and use their figures and yeah. stuff like that. So I don't know. Maybe it's cool. I I. I'm such a diehard Heroescape though. I won't. I'm, I would never touch it. I wouldn't even blasphemy. Blech. I'm actually. I'm going to be doing a write up about Heroescape, kind of like a review. Maybe go a little more in depth into what I just. I just love about this game. Uh, it's going to be releasing uh, same time as this episode. I'll put it out the same day as this episode. So if you're interested in that, and you're listening to this, and you want to find it, you can find it at LelandSteelFiction.wordpress.com. Summarize, Heroescape, the gateway drug that led Leland into a beautiful hobby of board game collecting. Also something that we all have good memories on, even if certain ones of us, namely Moby, never won. Boy, I never win this game. Don't sweat <laughs> it. I never win this game. Um, yeah, we, we all have fun memories, and I think it's something we got to dig out. And please, Leland, do not sell it, because we'll oh, be it's not going it anywhere. 20 it's, years from now. It's not going anywhere. That's what you'll grab in a fire. You'll be like, the hero's Oh, uh, no! <laughs> it's too bad. It's like in the back room. It's like out of sight, out of mind kind of thing. Yeah. Mm. But it needs to be. It's we need to schedule a day. Days. Let's yeah. do it. Yeah, Let's, well, the, the table's big now. Yeah, I got a huge fucking table. Yeah. Hell yeah. Perfect. Alrighty. Well, that was a really long segment, but like I said, I could go on for another hour talking about this stuff. Like, I didn't even touch any of the fan-made stuff. There's so much in the community, there's so much just fan, fan-made fan stuff. Ugh. But you know what, Leland? As great as Heroescape is, you might be blinded by nostalgia. Which happens to be the name of today's movie musings. <laughs> what blinded by nostalgia. So, going along with the theme of fond memories... We're going to discuss some of our favorite films uh, and how nostalgia has impacted those films, uh, maybe tainted them, or perhaps uh, some of our old favorite films uh, actually hold up today. So I guess I'll, I'll start here. You know, it's, it's difficult because I think some of my favorite films are very obscure that listener hasn't seen as well as you guys, but you know, I've, I've got to discuss them. You know, I, yeah, it's, I, I think back, my favorite films were war films, okay? Growing up, I was always into kind of war stuff, not really science fiction or fantasy. Uh, my favorite movie of all time is Top Gun. I, I still think that Top Gun really holds up. I watch it twice yearly, so I wouldn't twice. notice if it didn't. Yes, I watch it. Fuck. It all starts because when I was three years old, I would watch it daily and my mom put a limit of making me only allowed to watch it once per week. And so now as an adult, I put a limit on myself to only watch it twice a year. Uh, <laughs> November, which is coming up or we're in it, but... Um, so, I, you, so you'd watch it more if you didn't limit yourself? Oh, November, yeah. November's wow. Oh, I, um, I cheated the last time I watched it, which was May. I cheated in that I watched it in my normal time around May 5th and then I kind of got hammered and that was when my idea for weight loss and be going for Halloween as Iceman this year came up so then I watched it again out of this glee of what Thin Moby would look like and as Iceman and as, and as I sit here watching you with your frosted tips to look, <laughs> you've done to look more like Iceman 
<laughs> I just did it, the Iceman bite. Movie. I just mean it works. It, it works. It does work. Yeah. Hey, it motivated me to lose forty pounds. So, um, hey, whatever works. Unfortunately, yeah, I, I had never heard of your weight loss yet. It's so weird. You rarely ever speak of it. No. Unfortunately, <laughs> my other favorite movies as kids did not hold up, and. My second favorite movie was a also a war movie to do with hel- Apache attack helicopters. Uh, it was called Firebirds. And I sent the boys over Facebook a clip from that yesterday. It's with Nicolas Cage just to show how bad it is. And it is absolutely terrible. Nothing holds up. The music is crappy late 80s synth. Uh, it's Nicolas Cage in a simulator. The simulator looks so bad. Yeah, I know it was the late 80s. But it's like the worst 3D graphics. Helicopters are basically like shapes that you're shooting. Um, and then you've got Nicolas Cage trying to push strawberry gum on people for some reason. Strawberry gum. Don't you want it? It's delicious. And then he ends up going crazy going, I am the greatest. I am the greatest. I am the greatest as he's shooting stuff. I uh, will put that clip in the show notes. It was a please to do. Yeah. So you can show... Uh, what what I'm ridiculing. Another one of my obscure movies that doesn't hold up are uh, Robot Jocks. Any of you guys ever seen Robot Jocks? I have not. I don't think so, no. It was basically, I know what it is. But. It was basically the closest thing to a Mech Warrior movie. And I watched the final battle, which was on YouTube yesterday, and it was so bad. There's a point where the enemy mech holds out his left arm, fires a laser beam, like a laser beam. And the other good guy mech Somehow has time, they're about 50 feet apart, to raise his right hand up and then shield the laser beam and deflect it. (laughs) And I'm like, no, it can't be like this. And then, like, the bad guy is, you know, from some, like, Russian, like, uh, country in his control room. Like, the guys that are helping the bad enemy mech pilot are like, you know, kill the American. And on the American side, it's literally this fat guy who always plays generals in like the 80s and he's wearing a cowboy hat he's like yeehaw you deflected that beam now get it with the cross check and it's like oh <laughs> it's so stereotypical yikes, and bad yikes. but and, and i'm done here and i'll let you guys talk the one that takes the cake for a movie that didn't hold up but i loved in the beginning was i remember how i felt at 13 years old Walking out of Star Wars Episode One, thinking it was the best Star Wars movie I had seen. Wow! And now, as an adult, I realize what utter crap that film was. Well, when you were a child, you thought as a child. That is right. You know what? I I loved that film when it first came out too. When I was like eleven years old, I think I watched the bootleg version of it. And yeah, didn't have any opinion one way or the other. So your your ambivalence towards Star Wars was always there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yep, from day one. From day one. Uh, hey, Leland, what was? What have you got? Hey, Moby. Well, gosh, a couple <laughs> things. I was thinking about this, and a couple really stand out for me that I just I love, and I could watch any day of the week. Uh, one being Hook with Robin yes. Williams, and um, oh my god, why am I blanking on Hook? Oh, Dennis. The Menace? <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh my god, okay. Hoffman? Wait. Oh yeah, Dustin Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman. Okay, okay. Dustin let's, Hoffman. let's redo that so we don't okay, have Okay. So, a hook with Robin Williams and Dustin Hoffman. 
Robin Williams as like an aged Peter Pan who had left Nether, ne- Neverland and forgot and grow old. And Hook captures his kids because Hook wants his one last great adventure or whatever. Oh, it's so good. Oh, yeah. It's so good. Like, it's, and it's, you know, it's funny how it holds up because they're like, there's no like CGI effects or anything. Like, there's, I don't know, it's just, it's so fun. And when, when, when Peter is becoming Pan again, and Rufy, oh! Rufy, Rufy. Oh. So good. It, it, what I love is how when you're an adult, at least for me, Hook becomes the hero. Like, I watched it a year ago. <laughs> I, I, I'm being completely honest. Because, like, you know, when he's talking about the kids, you know, I want the cookie. I want the potty. <laughs> I want, want, want. That kind of is children to Moby. I don't Well, sure. The child has basic needs. <laughs> you, you actually have to feed them. <laughs> and sometimes like, you can give them a Tell cookie. me he's like a Tamagotchi. Well, you know what though, Hook Hook does reun- reignite his fatherly passion. He does, yeah. Right, he brings that he brings that family closer through this uh, kidnapping those kids, and they learn to appreciate their father, and the kid the dad appreciates his family life, mm-hmm. and Peter is better off for it. And Rufio dies. He sacrifice. Oh, oh, he doesn't. He, he doesn't even sacrifice himself. Hook just <laughs> stab, yeah, stab. Because oh, Rufio gets all headstrong and cocky and runs in there like Rufio does. I haven't, do? seen, I haven't seen it. Spoilers. Oh, my God. We do, why don't we watch it? No, I'm dead serious. I, I would, oh, Marty, so I'll invite good. you over and watch it. I own it. It's on VHS, oh, so no, I can't I bring it to your place. Oh, no worries. Oh, man. It's just like, and like the, the montages of Peter becoming Peter Pan again. So good. And like, one of the best things I love is when he's, they're sitting down for dinner. Yes. And he's like starving. He's been there for like two days, like uh, training and trying to become Pan again. And they bring out, he opens the lid, and they're empty because they're it's steamy. make-believe. They it's... have to make-believe they're eating. And, <laughs> and then he's like, oh, this is great. And he, like, pretends to scoop up a big thing, a spoon of food, and flings it. And then on the other end, hits one of the kids in the face. And uh, what's the fat kid's name? I don't know. But he's like, you're doing it, Peter. <laughs> you're doing <laughs> it. <laughs> I was thinking Marty could have used those on his bodybuilding competition, yeah, you know? Thankfully. You could have a whole feast uh, and you wouldn't gain a calorie. Oh, so wow. good. That movie is so fun. Make believe uh, keto. I used to, confession about that movie, I used to cry. I guess I, when I was young, I had abandonment issues. I was so sad when Peter was a baby. (laughs) I don't know why. It's a very special episode that you had podcast. But there's the scene where, um, like, baby Peter, like, wind blows his baby cart down a hill. And And then there's the baby crying in the rain on his back. And he's like, wah, and then Tinkerbell saves it. Yeah, flies into Neverland. Man, Tink was hot. My dad used to say she was so hot, but I was Pre-pubescent when I first yeah. saw it. Nowadays, I'm like, oh. Anyways, so that one, and that. then the other stat for me is Jumanji. I was, oh, I was yes. thinking Jumanji. Too. Uh, boom, 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 boom. Man, T-Head Podcast loves Jumanji. We've, this is like the third or fourth time we've referenced we, we Jumanji. We gotta do a Jumanji special. I shit you not. Okay, okay, let's let's do a versus when the new one comes out. Let's yes. see the new one and compare it to the old one. Yeah, yes. Could be a sweet bonus episode. That'd be yeah. cool. Okay, okay, I like that. Okay, Content director. Yeah. Write I keep that down. stealing your. I keep stealing your thunder. No man, that's oh, have at it, man. Van oh, I love Pelt. Jumanji. I love Van Pelt. He was the coolest <laughs> fucking mustachioed man next to Mario when I was growing up. Yeah, is he the hero of that film too? 
In my mind, when he gets the new assault rifle that, like, fires full auto with the silencer, yeah, he's the fucking hero. I loved him. I mean, he's popping all these paint cans. And, and I, lo- I love that it's, like, played by his dad, too, from, like, yes. the 60s when he's a kid, too. Like, it's the same. Yeah, I it just. It's so good. It's so fun. Again, again, it's just so fun. Robin Williams is just. He's, he's awesome. He is. He's just. Uh, and, like, again, there's, like,. I don't know, like the spiders kind of look fake, but like the lion still looks pretty good. And like when when the one kid becomes a monkey boy, it's ah, it's all right, but yeah. whatever. It's just it's so good. Yeah. And like you, like you and I, Moby, you and I were talking about this yesterday too. And you're, like you said, like despite all this fucking this crazy shit going on, I'd still play the game. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I still, I'd still it. play it. And that's the thing. It's still, but the, about that film is it does hold up even with like nostalgia not blinding you yeah. like you like you could show this to kids nowadays and i think they'd enjoy it yeah yeah did you know that movie was filmed around here oh really yeah yeah there's um i did know that i heard that before actually uh now listener may or may not know of this location but 240th street before it was built up is the part where the why would a listener we have some u.s listeners you know why I know, would I'm any of them know not. Of a street number in rural a rural city of British Columbia, Canada. Well, because we know that only family and friends would ever listen to us. <laughs> well, anyways, with that attitude. I won't. <laughs> yeah, we. Don't. I won't finish that. But anyways, I I like the part where the plant that plant always scared me that like licks its yeah. vine out and eats a police yeah. car. Yeah, yeah, that it was does. filmed locally, yeah. and it, cr- it folds it in half. I know. Yeah, so cool. Ugh. But now, okay, so one one thing that, okay, bad now, bad now. Those are two good yes. that immediately came to mind. One, one that immediately came to mind is Maximum Overdrive, a mm-hmm. film adaptation of a Stephen King novel. I believe it was like the first one. Stephen King directed it, and I loved that as a kid because as a kid, I loved Stephen King. It was like one of the main authors I read growing up as a, as a kid, too. That's like the that first thing we ever discussed with Stephen King. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, that explains a lot. And it's it's cool. It's about all the machines uh, turning on the people and becoming sentient, and and people are running from their lives. And at maximum overdrive, I just remember because one, I always thought it was scary. And there was this one semi truck. Its front had a green goblin face on it, and that was oh. the scariest fucking truck in that movie. But holy shit, you went to watch it now, I could not go through it. Wow. It's so dated and it's so overacted. And I was uh, I was reading a thing uh, the other day on it and like Stephen King has, has come out and said, he's like, yeah, I know how bad this movie was. Uh, it was me directing and my co-director was cocaine at the time. Oh. <laughs> like, oh. ridiculous. Oh, man. Oh, he actually directed it. He did direct it. Yeah, wow. he directed this one. So bad. Does it adapt the novel of his? It does, yeah. Oh, okay. the, uh, the novel is not of the same name. Oh. I, forget. I don't know what it is. Man, he had a thing, he had a thing for cars. For yeah. sentient cars. Yeah, he did. Yeah, that movie, whew, would not recommend watching it now, but uh, it holds a, a kind of special place in my heart. Alright, well, I've got a couple good ones, and like, I had a hard time thinking about it until we started getting in this group, and then I actually thought of Jumanji as well. Yeah. And the other one I thought, thought about too was Karate Kid. Yeah, first one. Yeah, and that one holds up. We uh, just 
movie. You and I just rewatched that like a few months ago. We didn't did. We yeah. did watch I it. I mean, obviously it's dated in some ways, oh, but, it, sure, but it's a great film. Oh, that's so good. And uh, speaking of which, can't wait for the uh, follow-up series. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's going to be good. How the hell are we going to watch that, though? I'll figure out a way. Who knows? It'll be like with uh, Ash versus Evil Dead. I'll just buy it. Oh, yeah. I guess you probably could. Yeah, you probably could. But, like, YouTube Red is not available in Canada, apparently. We'll find a way. There must be a way. There's some secret ways. Oh, yes. The secrets of the interwebs. Yeah. Um, And then I was thinking of another one. I couldn't remember the name, but then I I just looked it up, actually. It's called Flight of the Navigator, and it's... About this, uh, like, alien spaceship that comes and collects this, like, little boy and, like, takes him away and has, like, all these aliens and, like, it basically abducts him and and then when it brings him back, like, the, uh, like, 20 years or 15 years has passed. So he comes back and he's still a little kid, but he gets dropped back off on the planet and, like, his whole family's moved on without him. Hmm. And I can't remember all the plot points of it, but I, I used to watch that all the time when I was a kid just because it was cool. And I liked all these little weird aliens on the spaceship. And it was made by Disney, actually. Um, it came out in, like, 1986. I don't think it would hold up nowadays. I haven't watched it since then, but that was I one. have never even heard of this. Flight of the Navigator. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of it. I, I don't think I've seen it. Yeah, and that was one of the ones that uh, I remembered. And I think... Uh, there was, there's a few more, I, you know, another one, honestly, was like the Rocky series. That was one mm. I, I loved watching as a kid. And those are all really fun movies to turn on. And even like without the, if you turn off the nostalgia points, I think they still hold up. Yeah. Except maybe like number three and five are pretty bad, but uh, even number three is okay. Five's not good. But four is this fantastic, like 80s, like campy, uh, you know, Cold War uh, propaganda. Yeah, it's totally yeah. Right. so good. Uh, but yeah, that's, those are, those are some of my faves. I'm just going to throw one last one from my perspective. And this was a movie that I could watch all the time as a kid, but find it too depressing and creepy to watch as an adult anymore, which is, <laughs> I gave a brave little toaster the, oh yeah, I gave it a view and it was about a year ago and it kind of really disturbed me, um, hmm. even at the end, like. The cars, when the cars are getting smushed in the junkyard and they're all like singing about their life and you realize what's actually happening that you can't realize as a kid. Like there's one car that says they took a a Texan to a wedding and, you know, I tried to make them arrive, but we didn't get there in time, blah, blah, blah. And the next, so then that car gets crushed and you see its parts go everywhere. The next car is a Hirsch that talks about how like, the person, the Texan died in the car accident from the other car <laughs> and was carried away his body in this oh, herd. Wow. And you're like, who wrote this for kids as a cartoon? <laughs> yeah, right. And there's, um, uh, it was played by a famous uh, guy. He was actually tragically killed in the early 90s. I forget his name. He was also in The Simpsons, uh, a voice actor. Um, he plays this air conditioning machine in the beginning, and he basically has a heart attack or the closest thing that an air conditioner can have and dies. Was that Hank Azaria? No. No. Oh, sorry. It was uh, Phil Hartman. Phil Hartman, that's it. Sorry, Hank. And he, 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 like, it's funny because he gets angry and they're like, settle down, settle down. You're like, dials are going up. And he's like, don't tell me to settle down. And he goes red and then he's like, and like has a simulated heart attack and dies. Oh, that's awful. It's just it's it's it is awful. Yeah, it's funny when you so you speak talking of that as animated, it kind of sparks a memory. There's this. Uh, have you ever guys seen the movie from the nine early nineties, uh, Rock a Doodle? 
No. I don't know what the story was, but it had like a singing rooster or whatever, but I just remember like this chicken and this other other animal, maybe it was a cat, I don't know what it was, but they're in this chest and it's got a bunch of holes in it, but it got plunged in the water. So the water is filling up and these animated animals are about to drown. And that is where my memory stuck. <laughs> I don't oh, wow. remember. I have no memory of them being saved or like I don't know. That's trauma. That's trauma. You, right? trauma. That is trauma. You're right. Yeah. Oh man. Oh. Pitfalls of nostalgia. So, you know, can you think of any unnecessary sequels for films that have been made just mostly due to nostalgia? Blade Runner. Okay, but that's not... I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> you, you liked it. I'm gullible. <laughs> yeah, I can, you know what? I think of them more in terms of especially comedy films. Yeah. Um, we talked about it a bit in another episode, but like you think about like Anchorman 2, Zoolander 2, you know, these fil- these comedy films that were... Oh, another um, Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. Uh, films that like had about a 10, 15 year like cult following, maybe 20 year in Dumb and Dumber's case. Um, they build up, like, the hype builds up that, like, sequel, 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 and then you get it, and it's just such a letdown, because the first one's original, and you have nostalgia there. I mean, you remember when you first watched it, comedy films usually don't live up to repeated viewings, but a lot of these ones did, and, uh, you know, the problem is, is the sequels don't, you know, they might be okay for a once-through, but they aren't classics and that's uh, that's where nostalgia lets you down is because they make it makes you think that you want more sometimes when you don't need it i think nostalgia is like a death sentence for sequels hmm. yeah I, mean, I don't see nostalgia being a positive in any way with that like take dumb and dumb you have this nostalgia is what makes the original so beloved but that nostalgia can never transfer from that first one to a sequel. A 20-year-after sequel or whatever it was. It wouldn't have mattered what they did with it, honestly. Exactly. It, 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 would not, it wouldn't have lived up into the, to that. You're putting Dumb and Dumber on a pedestal. You're putting the, you're putting the movie on a pedestal, you know, if that's what you're a fan of. If you, if you love that movie, nothing's going to compare to it. Like, how is... Uh, nostalgia is just a... It's a trap, man. It's a trap. Well, it's funny, because I, I mentioned Top Gun as my favorite movie of all time. Well, there's a sequel coming out, and I'm scared shitless. Of when is it going to come out? It's supposed to come out next year. And, like, okay. Cruise is about ready to start filming it. It has an official name. Uh-huh. It's going to be called Top Gun Maverick, which I already think is a stupid name. Okay. You know, okay, like, so it's just about him. I mean, Val Kilmer is back as Iceman, um, but like... Really? Is he going to slim down? Hopefully. <laughs> but he he just looks bad, slim or not. Like, he's he's really he rough looking. Well, uh, he had well. throat cancer a oh, few really? years ago, actually. Yeah, pretty oh. bad. Um, yeah, and he's just... He looks sickly. You know, I follow him on uh, Facebook. Especially compared to Cruz, who's essentially ageless. Yeah, yeah. Cruz looks fine. Yeah. But the question is, like, where can you go... See... That had an 80s feel because it was in the 80s. You can't duplicate that nowadays. Even if you duplicated it somehow, it will still seem just like a a facade, like you're trying to be 80s. It also wouldn't make any sense. It doesn't. They've all aged. Yeah. Like if you recast them all and made the sequel take place like two years later with a new cast playing those characters or something, then you could get away with the 80s feel. Yeah. But you can't get away with it when they've aged 30 years. No. Unless no. they live in some alternative universe where they aged, but the world stayed the freaking uh, same. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah. Oh, nostalgia. Yeah, you know, one one franchise I think was really affected by nostalgia and corrupted a little bit was actually the the Hobbit trilogy. And I know there wasn't that much time between that and Lord of the Rings, but if what I think happened here, just hear me out, is Peter Jackson was never supposed to really do anything in it except be executive producer. It was supposed to be Guillermo del Toro. Well, after, you know, the project was in development hell and he backed out, Peter Jackson kind of reluctant. I don't know if he reluctantly stepped back in. I think he kind of did it as like, you know, hey, I miss being with these actors and making Lord of the Rings type stuff. And I mean, I think that trilogy was okay with the third movie being fairly bad. Mm -hmm. But I think that's definitely a case where nostalgia affected the people involved because they brought back the same makeup artists, most of the same camera guys, sound guys visual effect guys they all came back wet a workshop oh, down in man. new zealand they got the band back together they got the band back together but like lightning nowhere near struck twice right. in this case yeah yeah so yeah and I, I mean that's another case of like everyone loving the lord of the rings trilogy for the most part and uh you know the nostalgia of that like thinking about the first time you saw those in theaters right trying yeah. to live up to that again or beat that that's yeah. tough i mean Very really that's to a lot, a lot of people, that is an epic franchise. That Lord of the Rings, that Lord of the Rings trilogy. It's like twelve hours of film. Yeah, with the yeah. extended cuts. They're on Netflix right now. The all the extended. Oh cuts. really? Yeah. Oh really? Whoa. No, yeah, I, I think uh, the last one's like four and a half hours. Holy yeah. hell! Holy wow. hell! Yeah. Shit. <laughs> uh, do you think uh, like nostalgia breeds complacency when they're making these sequels? Like yes, The Hobbit. I mean, you think the, those creators got a little complacent and... And greedy. And greedy? Yeah. Yeah, I think they do. And I think there's the temptation. Like, they bloated that out. That was supposed to be two films. And The Hobbit is a short book. You know, it's much less meaty. Yeah. The Hobbit's shorter than any of The Lord of the Rings. Absolutely. Way by far. Yeah, so it's you like take, a third of the size. So it's like, for Lord of the Rings, each... Lord of the Rings book is one movie, but you're going to take The Hobbit and stretch it out I for an know, entire trilogy. I know, it doesn't make any sense. The, yeah, nostalgia taints. And it may be hubris, arrogance a little bit. And yep. then you're thinking, like, I'm this great director that can, like, epically. Oh, I am the greatest. Oh, I, I am, am the greatest. greatest. Strawberry gum. <laughs> Frodo, would you like some <laughs> strawberry gum? I guess it's not Frodo. Bilbo, would you like some strawberry gum? It's No, it's my own. My precious gum. Oh, we're getting off here. Any other. Uh... <laughs> you say we're getting off. <laughs> I got off half an hour ago. I don't know why it's taking you guys so long. <laughs> Marty, any other? Uh, I got off when we were talking about girls. Do you want to bring up? <laughs> no, I'm I'm good. I'm good. We knew this was going to be the shortest section, so yeah, we've gone long. But it's still a long episode. Like I said, anybody wants to hit me up about Heroescape, man, I'll talk to you about Heroescape forever. Just send me send me a message on Twitter or whatever. Send us an email. I'll talk to you about Heroescape nonstop. Oh boy. Do it. Love it. And if you want to play it, if you never played it, come over and let's play it. Let's play it. You know, I was thinking in a future episode we should talk about some T-Hut cult classic films. Not ones we discovered as kids, but ones we discovered as, like, teenagers, young adults, and uh, dive into those. That's a fantastic idea. That's a good idea, idea yeah. Because there's some idea. that we quote, like, they're our own memes. Oh, like, yeah. I mean, become... we have, like, a uh, listener likes to say, uh, like, as he's observing the way we speak, like we speak in pop culture references, it's we do. 
Yeah, and it's always the same ones too. It's funny. It's like it's funny though. You that's what pop culture is. Though. You develop, you're influenced by it. You're and we develop like our own, our own memes. They are memes, right? That's like what, and they mean only what they mean to us, right? Yeah, I feel like The Simpsons. Like, I could just quote Simpsons. Oh for yeah, my yeah. Life. You know, I can go back and forth nonstop with that shit. Like. <laughs> Now that is a pop, like a culture defining show. Like, yeah, well, yeah. Say what you will about it now, but man, oh man, growing up with that. I was on YouTube yesterday and it just randomly suggested to me the scene where uh, Homer has the pile of sugar. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, it no. With the one where, like, in the backyard and he's yeah. defending it from the bees? Yeah. And, like, <laughs> I totally forgot it because, like, he's sitting there and Marge is begging him to come inside and no one's going to steal his sugar. And then he pulls a, like, rich, like, arist- aristocrat aristocracy got type guy out of there and he's stealing sugar for his tea. He's like, where'd you get that sugar? He's like, I pilfered it when you weren't looking and I'll do it again. (laughs) 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 Like, that kind of stuff is fantastic. And there's movies like that too that for just the three of us, I mean, we could go back and forth forever. Well, and you know, we should bring up some of our stories that go with the memes. You know, I'm thinking, you know, yay, PlayStation 2, fuck you, Xbox. Oh, yeah. (laughs) We we got we can share these types of stories. Oh, yeah. Listener will enjoy these. Sure. You yeah. can have a further de- delve into the brain, the brains that is T-HUD. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our messed up, weirdly wired brains. Take a trip down memory lane with T-HUD. Yep. I mean, and that's what this episode was about. Right? I was just about to say that nope. was a oh, nice live long past. trip down memory lane. Nope. Uh, hope listener, you enjoy me rattling off HeroScape stats off the top of my head. <laughs> I thought it was entertaining. Yeah, I like it. it was fun. We'll see. You, like mean, you, did, you weren't as good as I thought you'd be. No, I wasn't. You, you scrolled through some really weird. I like, know, and I was all random. I felt bad. Yeah, no, I was should have rigged it. Should have stacked the deck for myself. But <laughs> oh, Major Q nine, what a surprise! Oh, <laughs> one hundred thirty-five points, three attack, six defense, Shut up. <laughs> four life. Yeah, You're so wrong. Yeah. I'm looking at it right now. Peglex gun. <laughs> all right, boys. All right, I guess that's it. So. Once again, this has been Moby. Well, yeah, let's actually do a wrap up this time. Oh, yeah. Oh, I thought. Okay, never mind. Yeah. Well, you know, we didn't do it for the last bonus episode. Uh, okay, if you like, if you like us, and you you want to check out the show notes, figure out where where to listen to us, you can go to our website, ttpopcast.wordpress.com. Uh, you know, we got a Facebook page, like our Facebook page. Maybe you know, tell us some uh, some of your favorite nostalgic films, maybe. Uh, hit me up uh, on Twitter if you want. My handle is at T underscore HUD underscore Reppin without the G. Uh, and I have been Leland Steele. And I'm Marty. And I've been Moby. Thanks for listening, listener. Thanks, listener. Bye-bye. <laughs>